Hello, I think we can start the meeting. So for those of you who are in back, can you get a seat? And let's begin. And somebody save a plate of food for me, please. <laughs> I should have taken the 25 bus to get here, actually. So, um, so welcome, everybody. Oh my goodness, this is so echoey. Is that, is that the way, is that the way it's supposed to be? Okay. Okay, well, this is our first on-island in-person meeting in over three years. Wow. So it's a cause for celebration, right? Mm -hmm. So for some, these last um, three years were ones of illness and isolation, fear, and for some, even loss. But they, these were also the years when we saw how important family friends and neighbors were, and how important it is to have parks and open space, and how important it is to have community. And that's what we are trying to build here on the island, a community, a new community, a new neighborhood of San Francisco. And I think this is a good time to remind ourselves and for those of you who are new to Treasure Island, of what the vision is for Treasure Island, and to acknowledge the progress that we've made in the last few years. The master, for, the master plan for Treasure Island was passed in 2011 after years and years of discussion and public debate. That was over a dozen years ago, but I'm still struck by how far thinking and sustainable the plan is for Treasure Island. First, it focuses on building 8,000 units, new homes, as you know, but it's a mix of housing for a range of incomes from the very low to moderate to high end, and the most remarkable feature of the master plan, really a gift to all of us, to this community, as well as to San Francisco, is that there will be 300 acres of open space and parks, and it will be the largest addition to the city's park system since we built Golden Gate Park. It's happening here on Treasure Island. Um, and so we have to really acknowledge that this plan is really a great plan for the city we are going to have a major new waterfront park just along the water's edge. We'll have a promenade along Clipper Cove. We're going to have wetlands and wild natural areas at the northern edge of the island. We're going to have neighborhood parks for sports and children, and yes, even dogs, all connected by bicycle lanes and pedestrian trails and, and this is a wonderful, wonderful plan for, for us. Did you know that this plan has won international recognition? It is the largest development in the world to receive LEED Platinum Certification for Neighborhood Development. It has received an award from the Clinton Climate Initiative, and its plan to address sea level rise has been adopted by BCDC as a model for all the communities around the Bay. And in the last three years of pandemic, as you all know, we have been continuing to work 
First, the geotechnical work for the first phase of development, which will make those sites on Treasure Island actually more safe than being on the Embarcadero in the mainland. And we have new roads and new bicycle paths and sidewalks and new water and sewer lines. And we're building a gray water system which will irrigate the landscape on Treasure Island. This is, this is the horizontal infrastructure that we have been building so that we can build vertical in infrastructure on the island. And I'm so proud that we have opened the first new affordable housing project, Maceo May, on Treasure Island. Many of you were at the celebration. And for me, that was a most happy day, a day that we have long been waiting for the first affordable housing project um, to be finished and occupied on the island. The first market rate condominium project, the Bristol, is completed. And we are under construction on the next housing development, including one by Mercy Housing, with supportive services from Catholic Charities. We'll be hearing from them later on today. And did you see the stormwater gardens this spring? They were blooming with poppies and lupines and other beautiful native plants. Those plants and their seeds were gathered before construction begun and then nurtured in our nursery on the island so that they could be replanted after construction was over. And we did this together with LEDGE, which is a nonprofit that gives training on horticultural skills to youth in the southeast area of our city. I mean, it was a full circle of being able to build a native ecosystem, but also with jobs and training for the youth. Um, and, and so it shows that infrastructure, a stormwater system which filters and cleans the water before it goes back into the bay can also be a thing of beauty. So also during this period, we had many important transit connections such as the ferry landing, the west ramp connecting the Bay Bridge, the bicycle path connection to the Bay Bridge and Bay Trail were completed, and it's Island, those connections to the East Bay and to San Francisco are particularly important. And although not yet open, the hilltop parks on Yerba Buena Island with the first magnificent art sculpture, which is called the Point of Infinity, will be finished by the fall. There will be a public celebration when that happens, and all of you will be invited. Um, and also by summer, we will open the new dog park which is up on the hill, which will be the best view of any dog park in the world, I think. So we are finally seeing the fruits of decades of effort, and there will be many more openings and celebrations of new housing, new parks, new community facilities, new places for businesses to thrive. Uh, many master plans actually sit on shelf and never get built, or they get outmoded in their ideas. But I think the vision for Treasure Island will last because it is sustainable and it, is, um, it has equity in mind of providing affordable housing as part of its core mission. So it will take decades to finish all that we hoped for the vision of Treasure Island. There are economic cycles. We've just hit one of the worst 
um, I've seen in four decades, the pandemic, the rising interest rates, the banking collapse, but we've accomplished so much in the last three years, thanks to Bob Beck and the TIDA staff and our partners, TICD, and thanks to an amazing group of the best architects, landscape architects, and engineers in the country. Um, so there, I would say that let's build up Treasure Island, let's not pull it down. So as we gather in person again, let's remember what a special, unique place this is, and we owe it to future generations to get it right. And as a tribute to our island, I'd like to show some photos from Alex Francois. Is Alex here today? No, but Alex works at One Treasure Island. He conducts a training for construction workers for our projects. But I also heard that he was an amateur photographer. And here, just to start our meeting, are a few photos of and from the island. So let's uh, show some of his photos. I mean, we're seeing it right here, right? But he, here's some photos as he goes about on the island. Uh, he loves to take the photographs. And it just reminds us how spectacular a place this is. That's the um, sailing center group of construction workers. Wow. And just from our island, we can see the bridge and the nighttime bay bridge. And don't forget happy hour. <laughs> and what a spectacular, spectacular sunset. So here we are. So with that, I'd like to start the meeting today. And um, go ahead. Good evening and welcome to the June 14th, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board meeting. The TIDA board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2597-439-8016. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted for the sake of equity. Item number one, call to order. Director Sun? Here. Director Dunlop? Here. Director Richardson? I'm here. Director Breston? Here. Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Here. Director Reif? Here. Supervisor Dorsey, we do have a quorum. Good, terrific. So let's begin with the first item, please. General public comment. 
Item number two, general public comment. And this item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Okay. So if you have a public comment that is not an agenda item, you may come up. Do you want to wait one minute? We can't, we can't. Hello. There we go. We can hear you now. My name's John Talbot. I live on North Point Drive. Um, I want to call out an explicitly racist and anti-black practice that is happening on the island today. That is, uh, people are having their cars towed for expired registration. Uh, Every, I know three people who have had it done. Every one of them is black. We claim to be a city that wants equity and we want to preserve this island for everybody. But having your vehicle towed is the first step toward homelessness. And people who uh, aren't paying the registration are probably behind in their rent. And I think the reason they're being targeted is because it's, they have all these pesky rights with regards to rents. So if you can get them off the island with vehicle registration and they have to go couch or somewhere else, that's a lot easier. I've been told by these security guards that they've been ordered to do it. Most of them are black. They don't want to do it. They recognize it for exactly what it is. And as a middle-aged white guy in America, I recognize that there's always plausible deniability. That's how racism works. So that will be, oh, it's in the contract. We're just enforcing the contract. There's all kinds of things they can be working on. They can be working on the dirty siding, the gutters, the potholes. But no, they circle to this to, try to target specifically black residents on this island. I think it's completely unacceptable. And I think anybody who says, oh, well, this or that, you're playing into something that is in effect racism. You can say you don't have the intent, the intent doesn't matter. I think the intent's there, but the effect is racist and is, and is targeting our black neighbors and friends and, and families. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for letting us know and we'll take that into consideration. Thank you, next please. Come up, if you can. Can you, uh, I don't think she, oh, she, she just somebody helping her. <clears throat> Thank you. And can somebody help her with the microphone? Thank, thank my, you for coming today. My name is Natalie Carpenter, and I live on Sturgeon Street. Um, the problem I have is that, as you should see, I'm handicapped, and um, me and my neighbor both, we go out walking, and Sometimes we take the electric chair, sometimes we take the walker. But there's no, you might go along on the sidewalk in our electric chair, but there's no ramp to get off of the sidewalk. And on certain street, there's no sidewalk, period. And we're scared we roll over into the gutter or something. But I would like to see it more handicapped, accessible. And I mean, it is some, but it's not. And I would like that to be taken care of. Yeah. And I would love to see uh, different groups, like such as stress reduction or um, HIV positive groups or just different types of groups to get involved in 
because I would like to attend a lot of functions on the island instead of having to go into the city and look around for something. But if we got a year, like I love when we had the Juneteenth, the spring a fling celebration, those are all things I can attend, but when I have to go into the city because there's not things like that here, it it hurts because I don't have it here where I live. So, yeah. but the main thing is the handicap the handicap accessible uh, getting around on the island. Like I said, there's no sidewalks on certain streets. Uh, there's no ramp to get off the sidewalk, and then you have to turn around and go all the way back because there's no ramp to get off. That's it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for bringing right. that up. You know, handicap, that, that, that must be very frustrating for you. And I, handicap accessibility has been a really important part of our plan. Um, so I don't know if it's because we're under construction, but certainly that's something that we need to look into. Staff needs to look into where those obstructions are. Okay. She's speaking more of in a residential Gerard, and um, thank you for the opportunity to address the uh, the board or the uh, commissioners today. Um, I have appeared before you more than once here, unfortunately, more than two years ago. The group that I'm a member of, and I'm a member of several organizations, one of which is the mayor's local business local business advisory committee. Um, I am also the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors in Northern California ch uh, chapter. I'm also a member of San Francisco's Latin and Black Business uh, Contractors Association and a number of other organizations that are advocating for the best interests of contractors like myself, minority contractors. We have come before you a number of times ask you for specific data regarding the contracting opportunities out here in Treasure Island. Um, we believe that the data will show that uh, there's not been much of an effort to include companies like us. Most recently, we were given the verbal promise that you would provide that data, the data that shows specifically how it has been uh, affect, how we have been affected by the lack of contracting activity out here and we have not been provided that information as promised. It's not a part of your agenda tonight. We believe that we are owed a commitment to that promise. We talk about local everything. It all begins at home. Whether you're supporting local artists, local businesses, local restaurants, and local employment. We believe that we are your allies in providing the best quality of life for your constituents that you have a responsibility for here in San Francisco, and that is every resident in San Francisco. We'd like to be part of you delivering on that commitment, but we don't see a reception, a receptive activity from you all, and we'd like to see that changed. Thank you. Thank you. My, name is, my name is Bruce Giron, G-I-R-O-N. Thank you.
hear me? I, I hope. Okay. My name is Leticia Serrano. I'm Mexican. And I'm just concerned about the situation about the island. Every time we think about a new people coming in, and everybody said, this is a great community, a great environment for all the families, but I feel like we are taken apart for two reasons. We all are friends and family for 10, 15, 20 years, and every time someone come and say something different. So now we are lost. We don't know what to trust. Last time they told us that we will have a place, we will have parking, and we all friends and kids will pray and run in this place, but it looks like at this point, I was, I'm so surprised because we don't have a translation, translator for us as a Mexican Latino community, Peruvian, Colombian, so that's, that's unfair because we don't have the opportunity to speak. Thanks God I'm able to speak at least a little words. But my friends, they are not. So ellos no pueden hablar porque no hay quien nos traduzca. So they cannot speak and say what they feel, what they want. And, and the other situation is what is going to be with our friends and family. I am Mexicans, I have Iranians, and they are going to move. Okay, so thank you, 30 more seconds. Oh, so my, my situation is where are we going to be? Where are my family going to be? Are we going to break apart? So when I left my country, I came here and I found a family. And now all my family is going to break apart. So we need parking too. So I think that's all my... Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is LaSonia Mansfield. I'm the owner of Mansfield and Mansfield Construction Cleanup Company. I'm a native of San Francisco, born and raised, um, nurse by trade over 25 years, um, retired early to start a business so I can give back to my community and provide for my family. I've been before the board before. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am a black contractor, specialty contractor. I'm a member of NAMAC and SF. LBBA as well, um, the Black Chambers in San Francisco as well as Oakland, and I want to know why. Why? Why don't you want to include us? We talk about equity, we talk about uh, fairness, working with us. It doesn't make a difference. I'm job ready. I have everything, but, no, but they refuse to work with us. I found out that there was a cleaning contract that was given out from a San Francisco company but not an LBE, not a micro LBE, and not sure if they're a minority company. Come on, let's do better. Thank you. Hello, board. Good to see you guys again. Um, along with LaSonia and Bruce, you've seen me before. I'm Tristan Dion, owner of Streamline Drywall. This is my son, Hendrix. We're here just to follow up, like they said, to inquire of what you got or what Bob Beck said would be delivered as far as the data. A lot of the data that was reported last time we saw you in regards to the LBE participation, 
we had pointed out there, there was a lot of inaccuracies there, so we're curious if you're actually going to clear up the data that you've presented. Um, the amount shown, we were asking for full transparency as far as the micro OBE participation, where that's actually at. So I'm here again just to show our faces to let you know that we are very interested in partnering with you and we're looking for the follow through on that. We absolutely need a system created for inclusion. Um, we discussed before short-term solutions as well as long-term solutions. Charles Shin in past meetings had mentioned that there would be opportunities possibly at the chapel. Um, when there's more time, we could speak about other hybrid solutions to be able to onboard some of us out here. But again, we're here to look for that follow-through, see if you guys can provide the transparency that we were promised we, we would receive. Thank you. Hello, commissioners. It's great to be at the first on-island meeting in over three years, so thank you for coming out here. And uh, I want to just support what was said about towing, improper towing. Uh, I looked up the Muni towing policies. You're not following them. Your Muni policies uh, require you to contact the, the car owner, the vehicle owner, before you tow. And now I say, okay, so you claim it's private property, you can do whatever you want, but you're a city agency. You, you hired the security company. You can ask them to follow Muni towing policies, please. So what I want to talk about is earthquake risk. I tried to talk about it about in uh, 2015, and you threatened to cut off my mic and told me to s sit down and shut up. I wondered if you've seen the New York Times article about the uh, risk of high-rise collapse in a major earthquake. They said that 10% of San Francisco high-rises could, could collapse in a major earthquake, and that would be 7.3 on the Hayward. Um, what I tried to mention in 2015 was that there's a higher risk of a 7.3 earthquake. Previously, the uh, Rollo and Treadwell, the engineers said it was 3%, but newer science from Berkeley Seismology says it's a 10% risk in 50 years. And it's a 10% risk of a peak ground acceleration of as much as 1G. Now, the building code and the project is built to 0.5 Gs. Now we're talking about twice as much peak ground acceleration. And you're using the same methods that the high rises in San Francisco use to make them earthquake safe. So you are just as much at risk as the high rises in San Francisco. And I wish you'd you know, do a reflection, review of earthquake risk because the science has changed, the facts have changed, and you're still gonna plan to build high rises Thank out you. here. I don't know how many, many but uh, if you do, I'd hate to see him come down. Buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Lourdes Dobarganes y tengo 21 años viviendo en la isla. Hi, my name is Lourdes and I have over 21 years living on the island. Uh, y hago uh, mucho servicio comunitario. Soy líder en la comunidad. Y siempre voy a estar con las personas más necesitadas ayudando. I am involved in all things on the island. I'm involved with a lot of organizations that do community work, and I'm always here to support my community. I'm always going to be on the community side, supporting them every step of the way. 
Ahora les voy a decir lo que requerimos nosotros los que vivimos aquí en la isla. I'm now going to share some of the demands that we have living here on the island. Necesitamos estacionamiento para nuestros coches. We need to have parking spaces for all of our vehicles. Necesitamos que te, las personas con disabilidad tengan lugares donde puedan caminar y estar seguros y sentirse incluidos en la comunidad. We need people that have any sort of disability, whether it's physical or men, need mental health services, to feel welcomed into the community and have services that are accessible to them, like the streets or any services that provide these kind of, this kind of support. También hay personas aquí que tienen 10 años, 5 años, 3 años. Es, es su casa, es su, es su hogar. Y no pueden decir nada más así que se van a ir y, y, y que les van a quitar el departamento nada más así porque sí. Ellos tienen derechos para tener, son una familia, somos seres humanos, nos tienen que respetar nuestra dignidad. There are, people, there are people that are living here for 10, 5, or 3 years, and they are also entitled to their own rights. They're entitled to live on the island, and they should be receiving benefits for relocation, and they should be welcomed into this community. We're all human, and we deserve to have all equal rights for housing, accessible housing on the island. Yo escuché a la señora hablando de que quieren crear una comunidad linda, eh, eh, que quieren hacer inclusión a la familia, pero no estamos viendo eso y necesitamos que nos escuchen nuestras necesidades y que ustedes nos den lo que nosotros necesitamos, porque pagamos renta también por ello. All your plans talk about building a new community for a bright future, for new people to come and new developments, but you tend to forget about the people that are living here. We need you to bring us we need to have equal rights and we need to have accessible housing while living on the island. Um, por, por último, que voy a decirles es que toda la, en, este, en, en este país habemos muchas personas de diferentes países y hablamos diferentes idiomas. También hay personas con deshabilidades de escuchar o de hablar y tenemos, necesitamos interpretación. Es por ley que se hace en, la, en San Francisco. Y gracias, con permiso. We also want to say that you are supposed to provide interpretation services, not just in language for the people that speak other languages aside from English, but there are people here that, have, that are hard of hearing or are unable to hear or unable to speak, and I don't see any of these services offered to the community here. These should be services that are offered without asking to make your meetings accessible and to make to welcome other people to speak before you. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, board, or good evening. Beautiful sunset out there. Thank you for having this meeting and having us here. And I want to underscore, as I have in the past calling in, about the need for cutouts in the sidewalks and the need to have 
paths for people in wheelchairs and disabilities. I understand this because I'm really disabled now, and it m makes a big difference to me. There are places on 13th Street where there is no place for someone in a wheelchair. They have to go out in the street, and it's very dangerous. The other thing I want to say is that um, there, Ocean Rise is ser a serious problem here. The San Francisco Public Press did a great article about the fact that this setback is not high enough. I want you to look into that because there are going to be earthquakes and there's going to be ocean rise. It can't be stopped. The third thing I want to say is that people on this island, everyone who lives here now, deserves housing here. They have put their blood, sweat, and tears into this island for years. And each and every one of them should have a house here and not be phased out and forced to leave. They should have parking spaces. They should have a, a ho safe housing that isn't more expensive than where they're living now. And I want to thank you for that. I appreciate you being here and listening to us. And I understand there's going to be a meeting in July. Hopefully, that will be a back and, and forth where people can actually talk to each other. Thank you very much. Hola, muy buenas tardes a todas, a todos. Mi nombre es Elizabeth Montiel. Tengo aquí 19 años viviendo. My name is Elizabeth, and I've been living here for 19 years. Cuando entramos aquí, se rentaba, en mi caso, 1,800. Ahora son 2,300. Ahora en lo de la pandemia, que ahora en lo de la pandemia que estoy entendiendo, no hubo trabajos casi por dos años. De mis ahorros, yo pagué la renta. No dejé un mes de pagar. When I first started living here, I paid 1,800. Slowly, the rent kept going up and up and up. During the pandemic, there was no work for over two years, and I never stopped paying my rent. Entiendo que ahorita ya están empezando las revisiones que se hace una vez por año. I understand that now the inspections that happen every year are coming up. Y a mi vecina, ahora que va a tener su revisión, ya le avisaron que le van a subir de renta 85. And after this inspection, they've already told my neighbor that her rent is going to go up $85. Entonces, ahora, ¿qué ayuda nos están dando ustedes a nosotros, los que tenemos tantos años, cuando todavía no estamos por completos trabajando de tiempo completo? So now I want to know what services are you offering us to be able to do, do these payments if a lot of us are not working fully just yet. Lo dijo una de mis compañeras. Okay, estamos eh, desde un principio rentando. Si nosotros no rentamos, no pagamos la renta en, un, en dos, tres días, ¿qué, ¿a dónde nos mandan ustedes? The moment that we are late one or two days with paying our rent, there's consequences to us. Entonces, es, se oye bien bonito todo lo que están haciendo ustedes. Sin embargo, ahorita todos los que tenemos estos años, ¿qué ayuda nos están dando? 
Your plan sounds so nice to everybody else, but what are you offering to us? Lo que yo les quiero decir a ustedes también por segunda vez, igual que mi compañera, ¿a dónde está el respeto para las personas que no hablamos inglés? Si no estuvieran ellas aquí traduciéndonos, porque en cualquier junta debe de haber máquinas para que nos traduzcan. ¿Qué está pasando con nosotros? ¿Por qué se olvidaron de nosotros? And I want to reiterate what my past colleague said. Where is the respect for those of us that don't speak the language? There's no services offered. In the past, you've offered services for in-language support. If these folks were not here offering these services, I would not even be able to come before you to speak. You wouldn't understand what I'd be telling you. Thank you. Are there any other in-person public comments? Uh, can I no, no, no. no. Sorry, just one time per person. I think we have to move on. No, no. Thank you, Carol. All right, thank you. So next item, if there's no other, we'll have the next item, please. And I'm seeing no public comment on the phone. And just a reminder to any remote public comment, there might be a password to join, and it's TIDA, T-I-D-A in case you're having any issues with that. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank you, uh, Chair Chen, members of the TIDA Board, and thank you all uh, for coming out tonight. Um, as Director uh, Chair Chen mentioned, uh, this is our first on-island board meeting since November of 2019, and we're happy to be meeting in person again and to be meeting here on the island tonight. Um, there have been a lot of changes over the last uh, three and a half years. Uh, we have four new members of the TIDA board since we last met here on the island. Um, LaShondra Price Best Breston, uh, an island resident, has joined the TIDA board. As well as Jeanette Howard, Namiha Azim, and Timothy Wright. And want to welcome all of them to the board and, and welcome them here to the island tonight as well. Yeah. Uh, we also have an, a new supervisor. Timothy. Oh, I'm and, sorry. And also I, Timothy Reff, our newest board member. This is his first TIDA board meeting. And, and just a few minutes, uh, Bob, if I can just um, let Tim say a few words about himself. Good evening, folks. My name is Timothy Reif. I'm a native San Franciscan. Um, I come from a construction background. I'm a field rep with Carpenters Local 22. I'm an employee of the Northern California Carpenters um, Regional Council. And uh, I wanted to get involved with Treasure Island because I've been out here since, you know, when I was a kid, I used to come out. My uncle had a boat at the boatyard. And then when the Navy pulled out, we started getting involved, the Carpenters Union, with, with the redevelopment. And I came out here a few years ago to then Supervisor Haney had a meeting out here and I never knew of some of the problems that were going on out here. And I started hearing about them. And when an opportunity was offered to me by my, my boss to get involved in a, in a um, commission in San Francisco, I thought Treasure Island would be a really good one because there's a lot of opportunity for people out here. There's community that needs to be taken care of out here. And I just hope I can do 
a good job for you and take care of some of the issues that we've heard about. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Tim. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. Um, I just also wanted to offer uh, Director Breston, I don't know if you wanted to say a few words since it's your first on-island meeting. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just happy to be here. For those of you who I've had the pleasure of working with, um, you know me. <laughs> um, for those of you who I have not had the pleasure of working with, get to know me. I live on the island. I'm for the island. I've been here close to 20 years. I have seven beautiful children that I have raised on the island. I'm familiar with the issues. I'm familiar with the difficulties. I'm familiar with the navigation. So I am someone who is where you're at, and I'm here to help us, hey, get further, get better, do better, be better. This is our community. We are the foundation of it, and we're going to hold on to it. So. Um, we've, we've also had some additions to Titus staff. Uh, most recently, Anne-Marie Rogers joined us uh, from the planning department. Um, so, so it's a face you'll get to know uh, as we move forward. She's uh, joined us as uh, deputy director um, and she'll be focusing on uh, development issues. She uh, spent the last five years as the director of citywide policy for the planning department. Um, and uh, she'll be working on, on a number of development-related issues with us. Um, since our last meeting, there's been tremendous progress made in implementing the development plans for the island. Again, Chair Sen alluded to these. Uh, we have the new roadways and utility infrastructure on YBI and this southwest corner of Treasure Island uh, that have come in completed. Uh, we've achieved occupancy on the first market rate condominiums and our first 100% affordable building. Uh, that's a, a combined 229 new res, uh, units on the island. Uh, three of our, our households from Treasure Island were able to purchase inclusionary uh, below market rate condominiums at the Bristol on YBI and uh, for residents of the villages I encourage you to uh, engage with TI advisors who are here this evening to learn more about your inclusionary opportunities. Um, also, our, our historical swords to plowshares residents have been moving into the new Maceo May apartments. We've also broken ground on our second 100% affordable building, Starview Court, that you'll learn more about this evening, and five additional market rate sites uh, in total, there are more than 750 new units uh, under construction that are expected to be completed by the end of 2024. There's also been progress on new key infrastructure, including new water reservoirs that are on YBI and new electrical switchyard here on Treasure Island. Also, the new ferry terminal was completed since our last on-island meeting, and we now have uh, ferry service uh, subsidized by Treasure Island Community Development uh, from the island to downtown. The, the first parks on YBI are nearing completion and are expected to be open by the, near the end of this year, uh, and additional parks along the waterfront on TI 
uh, our plan to begin construction before the end of this year. Um, that, that's all the development-related issues, but we also couldn't have made it through the past three years without support of our island partners, uh, including our housing providers, um, the YMCA, and One Treasure Island. And I'd like to invite Siante Lewis to come up and give an update on the programs of the YMCA. All right, uh, I'm Shiante Lewis here with the YMCA on Treasure Island. Uh, I just br uh, briefly gonna let you know we have a summer program that started on June 5th, I believe, and it goes all the way to August 11th. It is a free 10-week summer program for all island residents. Right now we have a uh, capacity to take up to 60 kids and we have four open spots. Uh, we meet every day, 8.30 to, five, uh, six, 830 to six, Monday through Friday, and we offer the kids breakfast, lunch, and snack. We offer uh, instruct swim lessons at the Embarcadero, so eight-week swim lessons, and then with two additional um, courses, if they, depending on how strong they are or where they need additional support. We take them on field trips Thursday and Friday, and then we do a lot of collaboration with the Selling Science Center. Uh, we're partnering with a, a skate program, a photography program, uh, thanks to Ms. Breston, we uh, are in the process of also collaborating with an uh, art program to come onto the island. Uh, the program is free of cost, and at the end of the summer, if your child attended nine of the ten weeks for at least four of the five days, you get a $500 stipend for your family to use as you see fit. So that is available for any resident on the island if the kids TK to seventh grade. And then on the health and wellness side, we are going to be shifting our hours to open uh, about 30 minutes later, starting in July, and we're going to be going uh, opening it on Saturdays. We did just hire a new program staff, I mean, um, safety and support to keep the gym open. And then towards the end of July, we'll also we'll be launching our fitness classes. We have a strength instructor, we have a, uh, a step instructor, and we're in the process of getting a yoga instructor. That is also free to the community, and those hours will be posted. We're just verifying the schedule, but come check us out. Hey. That's all I got. Hey. And, and I also want to invite Nella from One Treasure Island to give an update on, on their programs and activities. Good evening, directors and Treasure Island community. Hey. Hi. I'm uh, Nella Gonsalves from One Treasure Island, and I want to share with you some of the work that we've done uh, in the month of June. And so, uh, first, we continue to run our weekly food pantry, and we have seen an, an increase um, in members accessing the food pantry from about 125 to about 160 residents. And we believe that's a direct result of new residents on the island for Health Right 360 and for Swartz to Plowshare. So we're excited to be able to serve the new residents. Uh, as far as our programming, we have our construction training program that is in session now. It's our 15th cohort. Uh, they're set to graduate June 23rd. About 80% of those are, have already been placed in employment, so we're excited about that. And we begin recruitment for the 16th cohort. So if you know anybody who's interested in construction, send them our way. 
we're excited about that. We continue our community engagement through social media, on next door flyers to the community. As many of you know, we launched a new mass texting program called Island News. There are flyers on the table if you're interested. You sign up and once a week you get a text about all things Treasure Island, uh, events, anything major with traffic changes uh, or anything else. So please uh, um, get, get a flyer there and sign up. Some events, we had a spring fling and uh, health wellness fair and it was a great time. Had about 120 uh, community members come out for the day. The hits there were the Rock the Bike smoothie, where you rode a bike to make a smoothie, and the hip hop dance class, and that was a lot of fun. Um, very excited about it, uh, and this is not in your report because this happened rec this past weekend. We had a big weekend. We had three events on the weekend, and so we had our Juneteenth celebration, which was led by LaShondra Breston and the Parent Council, partnering with One Treasure Island and many, many, many island um, programming and residents and businesses. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about it because it was awesome. It was our first, you know, big Juneteenth event on the island. We had about 245 residents show up. We got SFPD to come out and barbecue. Our famous Alex Francois made the famous Alice, this is your daddy's sauce, I think that's what he calls it. <laughs> and it was magically delicious. Uh, we had some spoken word poets. We had praise dancers, a drum circle. There was a local talent from HealthRight360. He was a rapper and he was pretty good. And that was really excited. We had a Black Women's Revolt, City Eats. The library bought out a youth bus. Um, indigenous permaculture was out there. Um, the African American Culture Center had some dancers out there. One of our residents, Melanie Williams, um, her organization led by Faith, pulled up with a U-Haul and gave out uh, water and canned foods to residents. Um, Let Us Be Us was out there, more hip hop dance. The Treasure Island Museum was out there. ARWS came out and Stantec came out and Stantec was uh, really great. Uh, uh, they're a great new partner. So it was a wonderful event. We are so looking forward to doing it again next year. Yeah. And we want to invite community members to help us plan as well. And then um, I want to talk about we are hosting emergency prep workshops. We had an emergency prep workshop this last weekend. We had 17 residents come out and do the emergency prep workshop. And there was a discussion about forming an emergency response team. Um, and so we're excited about looking into the putting that together as a part of our ambassador program under the safety component. And then one of our staff members, Alex Francois, is being trained to be the lead in NERT, uh, Neighborhood Emergency Response for Treasure Island. So look forward to having some NERT trainings. I hate being, but I can't see y'all over here. Uh, more NERT trainings and, and uh, more to come around emergency prep. And last but not least, we also partnered with the Treasure Island Development Group this weekend. And we had some volunteers come out from ULI, and they collected three trucks worth of garbage from Clipper Cove. Wow. So wow. we want to thank them for doing that. And we're planning on doing regular cleanups on the island. So if you're interested, let us know. And with that, I bid you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's it. Uh,
Um, and that uh, concludes my report for this evening. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, so we'll open it up to public comment first on the, the director's report and then um, comments and questions from the commissioners. Okay. Hearing no public comment, um, I'll open it up to the directors. Okay. Yes. Ms. Richardson, go hey, ahead. Hey, we do have one caller on the line. Okay. You may begin your two minutes. All right, I'll follow up with the caller on this. Okay. okay. All right, we'll go ahead with the commissioner's sure. uh, yeah. comments and questions. Linda Richardson first. Well, thank you. Um, I'm looking at all the community members. It is always great to come back to Treasure Island I was actually not going to speak tonight. You know, I've been taking notes. My goal is to listen to the community and then see what we can take back. But I wanna, for the press, for the community, I think it's important at this meeting, all of you to know that the construction training program a Treasure Island is, is the best, not only in the Bay Area, in the state of California. We are funding residents at risk San Franciscans from the Bayview, from the Western Edition, from Chinatown. It does not matter. We've gone all the way to the prison. We are training people that most training program in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in the state of California will not touch. Why it is just important? I want to, people write more about that so that people out there help us to write more about what we are doing here, all the various programs. We are funding it so that people can hear it and can help. That's the purpose of the press. So I just wanted to lay the, that down because it's a great opportunity. A vision for Treasure Island is to train so that all these residents one day and those in San Francisco can look at Treasure Island, can work here, and we're gonna make that um, happen. So thank you. I just wanna put that it's so important. When I read about what transpired today, I wanna see that that, that is a high item. It is so important to us here. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Um, Mr. Dunlock, Mark Dunlock, next. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Chairwoman, or I don't know. <laughs> um, it's great to see so many of my fellow residents here. I, I live on the island, and it was really great to hear um, some of the concerns. And you know, one of the concerns, of course, was the translation issue. and. It does state that if we get advance notice, we will have a person there to translate. But just because of the, uh, it's costly. Um, it would be great to have, have advance notice and then we will make those arrangements. But I also wanted to ask uh, the director, I'm really thrilled to hear about the dog park, of course. Everybody knows I love dogs. And, but what about the dog park down here on the island, on Treasure Island, what happens with that? 
Um, well, the, the current dog park will be staying for the foreseeable future. Um, there are plans to incorporate additional dog parks into the parks, the new parks as they're constructed. And um, for instance, on the east side neighborhood, one of the blocks of east side commons will be a dog park as well. Okay, great. Because it might be hard for some people to uh, load or drag their dog up to the top <laughs> of the island. So thank you very much. Um, and uh, that's just really it. Uh, one thing though about the why is in the swimming. I mean, by all means, if your kids can't swim, let them en enroll them. I, I almost drowned when I was a little kid. And the next thing, my parents put me into swimming lessons. And I won all sorts of gold medals and whatever. But. Um, it's, it's a really great thing. It will save your child's life. So that's, that's all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And then um, Nabiha Azim, please. Thank you all for coming out. Um, I know it's your evening, and we really appreciate hearing your concerns, and I hope that we can address them tonight. Um, what I just wanted to call back, because we did two meetings ago say that we were going to talk about the micro LBE and SBE concerns, and I want to make sure that we do, do, we do what we were saying we will do in future meetings. So if there is a way that we can get some type of commitment, because I know it takes time to get information and put it all together from Tida staff, and also perhaps if we have some type of working group with folks who have definitely come out to meetings before so we can figure out how to collaborate and address concerns, I do think that's important. Thank you. Are there any others? Okay. Uh, yes, Timothy Wright. Um, thank you for all coming out. Um, I heard three concerns that really stuck in my mind. I took a lot of notes. The biggest one was um, handicapped individuals and no ramps for them. This is a serious safety issue. We need to really look into that and try and find something. Um, interpretation. That's whether it be sign or language, it, everybody has to have a voice, period. And then the third one was the LBE. When I was at the last meeting, they talked a little bit about it, and I'm kind of very, very interested in where that's going. Thank you. All right. So um, then uh, let's see. We've already had public comment. Is this on this item on the agenda? Oh, okay. Would you help her with the um, microphone? Quick thing. Um, you know, we are a large, thriving community, and some of us have been here for years. I've been here personally since 2009, and out of all that time, there's not been a church on the island. I want to know why we don't have a church. I'm a very, I used to be a very religious person until I got here because there's no church to go to. But I would love for a church to be here. I would love to attend. I have nowhere to go on Sundays. I would love that. That's just a, something uh, that you might want to think about. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Is it on? The Chandra. 
Go ahead. Um, Bob, I just got a couple of questions as far as the um, SBE around that. Is there any upcoming work or is there any upcoming bidding and what have the outreach efforts look like up to this point? What do we have to look forward to? Um, the, uh, the next work that uh, I believe the Treasure Island Community Development is working on uh, planning to bid out is some restoration work on the chapel as well as the city side parks. Um, those are expected to happen later this fall. And uh, Daniel uh, Butler, uh, who's not here tonight, um, I think they're, they're looking at the September timeframe to have a, um, uh, an outreach event uh, to try and provide information about those in advance of them being bid. But I'll, I'll work with uh, Danielle and, and bring, bring more details back to the board in the future. Do we have any target dates for the RFP before September? I, I, I don't have specific dates. Like I said, I, they're planned for, I believe, the October, November timeframe. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then as far as our um, Spanish-speaking um, residents, I apologize that there has been such a disconnect in the information. I apologize that you haven't felt included in this process. And I would really like, as far as myself, and I know I also speak on behalf of the Parents Council, to help you close that gap. Um, that was never the intention, and I'm glad that you did bring it to our attention today. And please, I look forward to hearing from you. I will give you my information afterwards. You can, there are several parent council members in the audience. Please let us help you so we can work on this together. And I'm also thinking that One Treasure Island could also help in this process too. Because we, as we navigate this development, it's hard enough as it is. We, for those of us who have been here longer than 10 years, we know how navigating the island is. And I appreciate that you came here tonight and made your concerns known. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So, um, so that's the, we'll have the next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by Tida. Are there any questions from the board on comments received by Tida on this particular item? No. no? So then, um, any public comment? No. This is on this item, this agenda item, which is communications from received. Yeah, the other question that I have and I didn't ask is about how are we going to get in and exit from the island. If we don't get a parking, and also, how can I be able to go to the city? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, we'll go on to the next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by Board of Directors. Okay. Any questions or comments from the directors? Okay. I do Did have you? one comment. Okay. Um, Alexandra, did you have a comment, a mm, question? No, not at the moment. No. Okay, okay. Let's keep going. all right. Item number six, please. Item number six, consent agenda. 
6A, approving the minutes of the May 10th, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a professional services agreement between TIDA and One Treasure Island for fiscal year 2023 through 2024. 6C, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a professional services agreement between TIDA and Rubicon Enterprises, commencing July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024, for an amount not to exceed $1,530,000. 6D, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of professional services agreement between TIDA and Toolworks to provide janitorial services for a month-to-month -month term, commencing July 1st, 2023, and ending June 30th, 2024, in an amount not to exceed $350,000. 6E, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to execute a grant agreement with the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Francisco for the purpose of funding Boys and Girls Clubs of San Francisco's Camp Mendocino tuition for all on-island youth residents for summer of 2023. 6F, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to execute an agreement for sharing maintenance cost of state highway outfall for the Southgate Road realignment project between Tida and State of California. So moved. So moved. Okay, do we have a second? second? Second. And then before we vote, we'll take public comment on these items. Okay. And, um, and so it's been moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. So we have the next item, please, on the agenda. Item 10. Oh, um, I'm sorry. We're going to move up items 10 and 11. Uh, just to accommodate the staff who the well, staff item number 10 Yerba Buena Island ramps and roadways update and I'd like to welcome Carl Holmes from the Transportation Authority uh, who will give this update Welcome, Carl. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, good evening, Madam Chairperson, uh, Commissioners, Director Beck. Um, my name is Carl Holmes, and I am an employee of San Francisco County Transportation Authority. I'm director, uh, Deputy Director for Capital Projects, and I've been in this role since October of 2022, so I'm going on eight or nine months. I'm happy to present to you um, an update on some of the infrastructure projects that we have. Um, and so I'll start with Southgate and then I'll finish with Westside Bridges. Um, first, I'd like to uh, present to you and to the community the um, uh, master plan for the infrastructure that we have. So this is our uh, our, our guide to uh, completing the infrastructure projects. I know there's a lot to see on this slide. Um, the focus of this presentation today is on the far right, the yellow, uh, which is the off-ramp uh, for Southgate uh, coming off of the Bay Bridge going from San Francisco to Oakland. And uh, that was just opened in May 6th. Um, actually, we had our ribbon cutting on May 6th, and some of you were there, uh, as well as some of the community. And so um, we're happy to be able to present on that. Um, and then the other uh, 
focused update uh, for today is West Side Bridges, and that is in the orange, which is in the bottom left. Um, and I don't know if I were to move my cursor, if everyone could see. So it's the bottom left is West Side Bridges, and then the upper right again is Southgate. Um, while I'm on this slide, I will also like to say, um, as we get into the West Side Bridges project, um, since we opened the off-ramp for Southgate, um, that is allowing for us to perform work on West Side Bridges, which was right adjacent to the existing or original off-ramp from the Bay Bridge going eastbound. We are preparing to close that off-ramp, and that will be closed uh, starting June 23rd. So starting on Thursday night, June 22nd, during that night shift, we will have crews preparing to shut down that exit. Wow. And so by the morning of Friday the 23rd, that exit will be closed. Uh -huh. And it will be closed for uh, on the order of three to four years. Mm -hmm. So that can allow for the West Side Bridges, it can allow for the West Side Bridges uh, project to uh, proceed. On Monday, the following Monday, so June 23rd is Friday, the following Monday, we will be closing the off-ramp, or I'm sorry, the on-ramp. So for those on the island, on, that, on this side of the island, uh, wanting to enter the bridge to go to San Francisco, that on-ramp will be closed. Oh. Remind you that we do have on-ramps that are on the other side of the island. So there is always going to be access on and off um, the Bay Bridge, but um, we're allowing that additional weekend time for um, residents to prepare and also Muni is working with us to uh, make sure that they will be rerouting buses uh, and they'll be using the Southgate off-ramp. So it's a, a lot of collaboration with not just our project, but also with Muni and making sure that the traffic advisory uh, working with Caltrans uh, is letting community know. And so hopefully the community is aware. If not, that's also another reason for me being here is to be another voice to make sure that um, this update is, is heard. Um, Would you on that map show us then for people coming from San Francisco, how will we exit to get onto Treasure Island? Could you yes, trace absolutely, that? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, Right now, at the bottom of this slide is the San Francisco side. Right. So if you're going up to the right, um, to my right, you're going towards, San, towards um, the island from San Francisco. And normally, you would take the exit on the far left. And that will be closed. And that will be closed. So you continue going up. Sorry for this technology glitch here. You continue going up, um, up the slide mm -hmm. on, the, on the freeway, and then you'll see on your far right, so the far right side is where the exit, which is already opened, that was opened last month, and so you'll make this far right, from the far right lane, oh. you'll exit on the right side. Right. 
And so you'll, you'll loop around and then you'll go underneath the bridge and then you'll go onto McCullough Road, mm -hmm. which is where some of the new development is happening. Mm -hmm. And it'll bring you back down to Treasure Island Boulevard and then to Treasure Island where we are right now. So, well, this is a huge change for understood. everybody who lives on Treasure Island, and so we really must make sure communication gets out to Treasure Island people, um, residents, people who are coming for their jobs. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of confusion on the on the Bay Bridge. Yeah. Understood. And we are working with. Um, we have our consultant team that uh, works for SFCTA. We are working with TIDA staff. We are working with um, uh, Caltrans and their uh, public outreach teams. Uh, and so there will be more also coverage, I'm sure, media-wise, mm -hmm. uh, regards to making sure that it's not just coming to a meeting and hearing me or seeing it on a website, but there will be more um, coverage on this because we realize how important this is. And we purposely made sure we, that we had the Southgate off-ramp opened uh, for at least a month, and we're probably about six weeks uh, being open by the time we close to allow for that behavior to uh, change and allow people to have a choice, and then at least to be able to give people an opportunity to make that decision uh, safely, going from the far left to the far right. Thank you. Are you able to speak to what the communication outreach has been? and? also what the signage will be for this? Yes. So we have, uh, again, there's been a traffic advisory that uh, was put out by Caltrans, and that was on June 8th, um, because they have a two-week advance notice uh, that, that it's all working with them because they're the ones that control the right-of-way. Um, and so that was put out. We also have uh, notifications that are on our website, and we know that we're going to be putting out more uh, and working with uh, the media to make sure that they help us uh, to get the word out. So we can't, we don't want to wait for people to go to our website. We want to make sure that we're getting the word out um, using other means. Yeah. Thank you. Would you finish your presentation and then we'll open yes. it up? To, uh, Thank you. <laughs> yes. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, so again, this is. Uh, uh, a zoomed-in version of the Southgate ramp. This is the ramp that you can use now, and this is the ramp that will be open for use uh, when we do close the original off-ramp. Um, and so we're also pleased to be able to share that this allows for pedestrians and bicyclists coming from the East Bay using the, the bicycle facility on the Bay Bridge to be able to Make the connection from make the connection from the Bay Bridge, and to go also underneath uh, onto McCullough Road and utilize the bicycle path and sidewalks that are uh, currently constructed. So this essentially is bridging the gap with allowing pedestrian and bicycle access all the way into Treasure Island as well to the ferry terminal and essentially to San Francisco. Okay. Um, that project um, is a $61 million project. We're in the closeout phase of it. Uh, we started it in spring of 2020, 
And it's, it's taken a, a huge effort with multiple agencies, not just on the funding side, but also in the implementation side. Mm. I've mentioned that uh, these stats, uh, we're planning to close the project out in December. Uh, this is just a photo of some of the construction as it was uh, being developed. Um, and I mentioned also the ribbon cutting that we had last month and, and the opening. Now I'll get into West Side Bridges. Um, this is the project that we are about to start. And uh, this is the reason why we're closing the original off-ramp in, in a couple of weeks. Um, this project will replace seven seismically deficient bridges and also retrofit one uh, seismically deficient bridge. Um, it will also provide a class two bicycle facility so it will allow for a five to six foot width bicycle uh, path that will be striped. Um, and this project will take three years. Um, and it is on the order of $116 million total, total construction costs. And again, this took the effort of multiple funding uh, departments to get us to gather up all the funds because at some point prior to my time with the agency, the project had a huge shortfall and was not fully funded. And so we're pleased to be able to say that we're, we have uh, gathered the funds and we're able to advance this project. These are uh, the funding partners and stakeholders that, that we want to acknowledge, ranging from Caltrans to TIDA to Public Works, Treasure Island, and uh, Bay Area Toll Authority. Um, this is a, a, a listing of, of all of the funding sources uh, that uh, uh, sum up to the $116 million uh, funding package. And uh, these are the, the cost types, uh, showing the, the base construction costs as well as the soft costs uh, that, are, that are needed to deliver this project. And then this is a table of our, some of our key milestones, and I mentioned some of them. So um, we issued our notice to proceed in April. Um, I mentioned the fact that we're going to be closing off the uh, original off-ramp um, as well as the closing the on-ramp that's on June 22nd as well as June 26th. We also have a detour uh, we, we call the Forest Road Detour and this is in, in close collaboration with the development, uh, the private development team to where there is a roadway that is um, and I'll go back to, so I hate to try to speak with a lot of words and not diagrams. So there is a forest road detour that's in the pink or magenta mm -hmm. that will be, uh, we're planning to open that for, for use in August. And that will allow for, once we fully close this off-ramp and, and not allow traffic to go, um, in the left to right direction, we will allow for residents and workers and visitors to be able to use this forest road detour to be able to still circulate throughout the island. And that's something that, again, is, is in August. And I'll scroll back to where I was. Um, again, it's a three to four year project, so we're looking at December 2026. Um, and then we have a three-year performance evaluation period, and that's why we have the, the final date of December 2029. 
Um, this project, the Westside Bridges, is an alternative project delivery method. So we, we are using the, the CMGC, Construction Management General Contractor uh, method. Uh, it's different from the, the low bid. Um, we got the authority from our board in um, 2018 to proceed with this method with uh, the joint venture contractor. Um, and it's taken that amount of time from October 2018 to March of this year to ha come up with a package, not only the funding, but an agreement with the cost that we can move, move forward with. Uh, but we are confident that the costs that we got are from the contractor are 2.7% difference between their cost and our estimates. Um, so on the order of 115 million, we think that's, that's a pretty good um, uh, set of numbers. We also have our DBE goals. Um, the target was 11% and this contractor is uh, planning to exceed that at just under 13%. So we have a unique set of risks uh, on this project. We had four that we identified when, when I presented to the SFCTA board in March. Um, three of them we've already resolved. Um, so the only one left is the Forest Road detour and we're working very closely with Tida and the development team and so we're tracking that for August. Um, and with that, I'll turn it back to you for any questions. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Carl. This, this was a very important report, and I'd like to say that we appreciate the cooperation with the San Francisco County Transportation Authority, together with TIDA, because these ramps um, actually are very important for and safer than what had been before. And to amass all of those different sources of funding from different places, different agencies, that was a task. Um, and so I think that the island will be better off once all these improvements are done. So thank you very much. I'm going to open it up to public comment first, and then I will take questions and comments from the commissioners. Okay. Are there any comments from the public? Stein. You need to come up now. All right. Thank you. Okay, commissioners. Yes, go ahead. Jeff Klein again. Oh down here. Jeff Klein again. Uh, in the first ramps project, I think it was about $18 million was borrowed from the County Transportation Authority and our rents were promised as security. Um, are our rents being promised again as security for this, either of these two projects, which are much bigger? There's, uh, just, a, just a question yeah. about financing. Thank you. State. Hello, my name is Lucinda Hayes. I'm a resident on the island. I've been on the island for about 17 years. I just have a question in terms of when you're coming from San Francisco and getting onto the bridge. So right now, the existing new lane is in the far right, the far right when you're going eastbound. On regular traffic time, not commuter time, you can easily go on and get on the bridge using the um, commuter lanes. But between three and seven, you're not able to do that, okay? Now, the only way that you can, a, a person can get onto the bridge is either having to deal with the traffic on 101, or I always go up Bryant or Brannon 
and I take Second Street to Essex, okay? But when you get on the bridge, you're in the far left lane where that exit to Treasure Island is closed. So what happens is, is you have to navigate to the first lane in order to get off to Treasure Island. The problem is, is that drivers are not forgiving. And most of the people that are driving during commuter hours are coming from work. So it's going to be very difficult to have to navigate through all that traffic. And I want to find out whether or not there is a way that during this construction that we could utilize the commuter traffic lanes. Because right now, if we do that, we get a $450 ticket for doing that. So that is the consideration I think that we need to look at. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for that comment. Yeah. And we'll, look, we'll look into that. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, I'm Katrina. I'm also a long-term resident. Um, one question I have is that we're all going to be going up and over or down a very steep hill, which has had changes. But in the recent past, for example, it uh, semi-T-boned coming down the hill and blocked traffic mm -hmm. for at least four to five hours. And will there be some mechanisms to clear up traffic when people have potentially accidents going up and down a much higher hill than we are right now. Thank you. Okay, thank you for that comment. Okay, okay. Um, do we have anybody else? Is there anybody on the phone? No callers on the phone. Okay, so public comment is now closed and I will open it up to yes. uh, the board members. So yes, Linda Richardson. Mr. Holm, thank you so much for that uh, presentation. And a shout out to Tilly Chang, your, the, the director. I think you, her, and your team are doing a fantastic job for Tida and the city and county of San Francisco. I have a similar question as the uh, public uh, resident. If you miss, and there is a high probability, you miss your off-ramp. You're trying to navigate. If you don't get it to the right lane, or you're new to Treasure Island, you're a traveler, you're going to miss that ramp. It, it is exactly. I did that one time, and I think it was Bob, that it's a way to get back at the toll. I think as a cheat, something for, I think people need to know about that. Because you are traveling and suddenly it's only a two mile and now, you know, miles, and you're trying to navigate and suddenly you cannot get on on your left and you can't get on the right, you passed your entrance, but you're going to Treasure Island. I think people need to know that you stay on the left lane, there is an up ramp before they get to the toll. That's, I've done that several times. Where, and again, not too many people know about that. If you don't do that, you're going to Oakland. You're gonna go all the way to the Oakland, and then you're gonna go back and go to the toll. So that's number one. The other suggestions that I need, there needs to be public service announcement on 101, those kind of digital. I think travelers need to know on two miles or three miles before they even get to the bridge that the left lane to, to, is, is, is no longer there, and that might be very helpful because June 26, it's right at the corner. Believe me, I can assure you that a lot of people are going to be there. So if car train right now, tomorrow, can begin those digital on 101, 
coming up to Treasure Island from everywhere, and it, the travelers, uh, you know, prompted that there's a big change. After they travel, you know, mon months, they're gonna be able to figure it out, but that's my suggestion. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, thank you. I will um, personally take that up with Caltrans. Um, I know we have talked to them about it, both the changeable message sign as well as uh, having a way to communicate that there is a way to turn around before you go past the, the toll plaza. Now, we don't want people to do that, but at least yes. it's better than Emergency. going further into Oakland and then having to sit in the, in the, uh, in the toll plaza to come back. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And Thank also you. the um, public commenter about the, uh, we'll talk to Caltrans and SFMTA about is there anything that can be done about um, some consideration with the carpool lane that's off of Bryant. I can't promise, but I will promise that I will at least communicate that uh, because I, I can see exactly what she's referring to. Thank you, sir. Perfect. Okay. LaShondra, thank you. Did you, yes, LaShondra. So my questions are, as a resident who drives back into the, I'm, I'm just as concerned as she is, and I think it would be worth probably even, who is it that we need to talk to as far as getting access to that commuter lane? Because that's what's going to happen. The majority of the people on the island are going to utilize that lane just out of convenience, just out of safety that lane is going to be utilized and no one i know i can't afford those kind of tickets so how do we expedite this conversation to get it you know on the agenda so it can so we can start talking about this now i'm very curious as to the outreach efforts that have been made on the island on island outreach efforts as far as the closure you said that this is scheduled for june 23rd yes ma'am that is like 10 days away. That is like 10 days away. For those of us with families and those working in this busy uh, summer schedule and summer activities, I'm a little concerned that there may not be enough time for us to make the proper adjustments. Um, even coming to this meeting, and I live on the island, but I was coming back for this meeting, I ran into emergency services. Faye was stuck in traffic for like an hour, so I can imagine you know, what this is going to bring. It really needs to be a heavy, heavy effort as far as outreach on the island so that residents are aware as much as possible. Also, will these changes be updated GPS systems? One thing since the construction, GPS is all over the place. They don't know where to send you. They don't know where to go. Your Uber driver call you. Your food delivery person is at the front of the island. So how is this going to translate with one exit being closed, this exit being opened? Because we're going to be closed, the regular exit, three years, correct? Yes. And in the meantime, Southgate is going to be open, and then we're working on the forest detour. That's a lot of information. I love the presentation. I applaud your work. Thank you so much. It is a lot of information. And for the layperson, we, it's going to take a little more time. I would suggest the current agencies on the island that already have outreach agendas and to, you know, collaborate with them. Because we got student drivers. That's what I'm thinking about, the, my student drivers in my own household. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, <laughs>
Thank you. Jeanette Howard, please. Yeah, um, thank you. I, um, I have just two, two things. Um, it does seem like often on highways you get those electronic signs that let you, for a long time it'll say, like, this ramp is going to be closed between such and such and such and such. I haven't seen that on the highway. Is there any way to coordinate with Caltrans to get those electronic signs maybe at least telling people? Seem, seems pretty close. Yeah, then, yes. Like I said, I will be following up with Caltrans as soon as I get back to my seat um, about this because that was we've had a number of a number of meetings about making sure that the public um, is aware of what's happening, um, whether it is people that are island residents, visitors, workers, or even the traveling public that are uh, tourists. We, we, we want everybody to know. Yeah. So the fact that you are not um, aware is that's yeah. data for me that we need to get the word out uh, more strongly. So that will happen. Great. And I had one more um, just quick question that you, um, you listed goals for disadvantaged um, business enterprises. I'm just curious if there were goals for the LBEs or micro LBEs on the projects. Not prescribed goals that are contractual, but um, I will say that I firmly believe in diversity of all types. And so um, I've already communicated to the contractor that we need to have diversity of all levels, not just what's prescribed contractually. So um, I'm a living proof of that. And so that's, I'm not ashamed or afraid to say it. Um, and so that's, that's something I've already communicated with uh, the general contractor. Great, thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Bob, go ahead. And I, I just did want to uh, uh, provide that, that we did have flyers on the tables tonight um, about the upcoming closures, and those will be going out through the housing providers, um, as well as uh, there's, there's uh, a changeable message board um, that, that uh, is up on 9th Street that is forecasting the, the coming closure as well, but uh, the, the, we'll be ramping up the messaging through Nextdoor and, and all of our uh, usual outlets uh, for the next two weeks. Okay, thank you. And then the, the GPS, that is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. People who use their phones. Yes. And okay, are there any other comments from directors? Thank you very much for I your I have a comment. Oh, I'm um, sorry, I didn't see you. Go ahead. I agree with everybody's comments about we need more signage out there, like on the freeway, as soon as possible. Caltrans is like behind the ball on this already. They should have those, you know, most projects you see, they have it out there a long time before. And then this goes to the construction. When do you start demo? Pretty quick? On the Pretty quick. That's I mean, like, you know, because that, that's the whole thing is demo fast and start into the new construction so you can get this thing open as soon as possible so it doesn't drag yes. on there's i mean but, you guys have plans in place and it's it's going to happen pretty quick right <laughs> yes yes absolutely so we are that's the the main push for this forest road detour is so that we can fully um, gain access to that that area and start the demolition so we're looking at starting that late summer early fall um, and if it were up to me we would start it sooner than that 
Um, we have our groundbreaking, which I failed to announce. We have our groundbreaking coming up this Friday for um, the West Side Bridges uh, starting at 12 o'clock. Some of you may already know about it, um, but it will be um, in front of the uh, admin building. And um, best believe that with uh, elected officials having that on their radar, it's more pressure on me to deliver. So um, yes, we're pushing for the demolition to start uh, late summer, early fall. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we will go on to the next item, please. And item number 11, SFMTA 25, Treasure Island Route Update. Okay. Um, yes, and, and uh, MTA was here and had a table also during the poster session. Um, and uh, um, with the, uh, uh, the, the change in the exits, there will be impacts on the, the the timing of the muni service. So I uh, want to invite uh, Brian from MTA to say a few words. Okay. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Oh, perfect. Yes, Brian Hogsman. I'm a public information officer with the SFMTA, or as many know as Muni. Um, and appreciate you inviting us here tonight um, to talk about what these on and off ramp changes mean for the 25 Treasure Island bus service. Um, because there will be delays that we're expecting that will make each route, each, each one of the bus take longer, which will affect the frequency. Um, the, one of the community members hit the nail on the head uh, when they mentioned the bus will be getting on in the left lane and will need to make those four lane transfers to get off um, on the new off and on ramp um, on the right side of the road. That's difficult in a passenger vehicle. We expect it to be even more difficult um, when, you're, when you're driving a Muni bus. What this actually will look like is starting Saturday. Um, so our operators will be making this change um, earlier, a few days early to make sure that they're used to the route before these on and off ramps actually close. So starting Saturday morning, um, the 25 Treasure Island line will start using um, the new on and off ramps um, this will impact um, the, the length of the route. We expect it might take about five more minutes um, each ride, and that will impact the frequency of the route. Um, on weekdays, we expect it will be approximately every 20 minutes um, that a bus will be coming. On weekends during the day, um, we expect that will be approximately every 30 minutes. Um, these are our best estimates. Even though we've done test bus runs um, using the new on and off ramps, we'll have to see when all the residents and everyone else um, are forced um, over as well and using the new on and off ramps, that will be the actual test to see what are the impacts to the frequencies and the travel time for the 25 bus. Um, so yes, uh, sorry. Um, we, and, and, and I, wanna, I wanna emphasize too, we have not changed in any way. We're not investing any less service in the 25 Treasure Island line, um, but that service simply won't go as far. Um, we, starting September 2020, we brought back um, service to even more than pre-pandemic, and we've continued at that level. Just, you know, there are fewer people on the bus every day um, and less crowding, but we still want to maintain a high level of service on the tre 25 Treasure Island bus. Um, we're trying to get the word out about this every single way we can. Uh, we have about 12,500 people who subscribe to email or text alerts 
for the 25 Treasure Island bus, and we've sent messages to them already. We'll send another message before the change happens this Saturday. Um, and um, we'll be, we've shared information with the supervisor's office. Um, we've put posters, you'll see every single route, or every single stop on the route um, has a poster in English, Chinese, Filipino, and Spanish, letting folks know of the impact um, to the frequencies. Um, this will be live on the digital screens at the Salesforce Transfers, Trans, Transit Center as well. Um, and we'll be communicating this out on all of our uh, website um, information as well at sfmta.com slash 25. Um, I do want to be clear that wherever people get on and off the 25, that's not changing. The stops remain the same. Additionally, late night service, so people who are taking the 25 because it is 24 hours a day, we run this line. But for those who take late night service between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., they should see no change. That runs already on a 30-minute frequency and with less traffic in, the, in, in that late night time period, we don't expect significant changes um, for late night riders. Um, with that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you all for inviting us here to share with folks. And great to talk to so many people in advance of the meeting as well. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you all have. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much for coming today. And, and I, had, I wish that I had taken the 25 bus <laughs> to, to this meeting. I would have gotten here soon. But thank you for, for letting us know the changes in the service. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to open it up to public comments and then to the directors. Come on, come on up. Okay. Go ahead. Good evening, Hope Williams. Uh, I'm trying to take my breath because I'm just thinking about um, as uh, we talked about like senior, uh, young drivers, so I'm visualizing, if you can, with me, a 25, a big bus going up this steep hill, then coming down while you have rec these Uber, all these people coming in. Like, that is, like, life-threatening. That is scary. Like, I'm just thinking about my safety with my kids. I'm thinking about, you know, like, what that would be experienced would be like being on the bus. And then you're talking about reducing the number of buses that, you know, it's already unreliable sometimes. We have issues. But that, to me, is a big safety issue. And then what happens if that bus misses that turn and then it has to turn around? You have to cut in front of toll, in, in front of the people speeding in the toll to then turn back around. So that would mean, like, for possibly 40, 50 cars that might have to turn around in a bus. And I don't know if you've ever experienced before of like what happens when you're trying to get off the island and there's a bunch of accidents. But I'm just thinking about the lives that could possibly be in danger with some bus going up this steep hill. What if the bus breaks down? What if the bus goes backwards? What if somebody else has a breakdown? It is a very narrow road to be doing this. Thank you. It's a week. <laughs> Thank you for your concern. Okay. Um, okay, next. Yeah. Hi, I'm Susie. Um, I'm a resident as well. Um, my thought is, so the 25 bus is 
for Treasure Island, correct? Only. Why don't we um, have that on our bus saying Treasure Island? Right on there. Market it. Right in there. Right inside it. Mark it. Put uh, some flyers and everything else inside the bus. Outside the bus. It's Treasure Island's bus. 25. Right? I'm thinking that's a good idea. Uh, my other thought is, so I've noticed also as a driver, um, with this new addition to our beautiful island, the turns that the buses have to make. And they seem to have to make them pretty wide into the other lane. I don't think everybody has um, thought about that when they were doing the construction because you have to back up the other person. So just my thoughts. <laughs> so thank you and uh, rock out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but Brian, did you want to comment on it? Yeah. I the flyers on the bus itself might be a good idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. Um, uh, one, one issue is the, the buses that run on the route every day change by the day. Um, so they all come from the same division, but that 25 operator, that 25 Treasure Island operator, pulls out in a bus that's clean and safe and ready to go. And that can be a different bus every single day based on the status of the buses at the yard. Um, We've thought about this in terms of, yeah, communicating changes in advance of it, um, and anything physical within the bus, unfortunately, we can't rely on because each day it's a different bus that might be serving that line. Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, um, any other public comment on the phone or in the audience? Okay, on the phone? Then on the phone. Okay, so I'm going to close public comment now and open it up to the um, directors. And we will start with Mark, Mark Dunlop. Thank you very much. Thank you for your presentation. Just one quick question. It's just about maintenance, because I noticed that there's always a lot of notices put up on the buses, and they disappear within an hour or so or rip down. So will there be like a steady plan? Because these are huge changes, so it's very important that these, the, the information gets to the public. Test. Yeah, so we've put up signage at each of the stops. Of course, at the Salesforce Transit Center, it's a digital display, which we can change and refresh at any moment. Um, but we've created additional signage um, and shared both with here folks on the island, um, and that we also will have on hand to replace signage if, um, you know, by, by Saturday there's signage that's gone away. Um, we know that's an issue. Thank you. So at best, um, the bus runs every 20 minutes, and there are delays on a regular basis. For those who catch the 25 on the island, you will have delays in the late morning, depending on the traffic coming across the bridge, sometimes between 7.30 and 8. Most people leave the island by 6 o'clock. The delays will start about 7. Coming back in the afternoon, the delays will start anywhere in between 1.30 and 2. So with that, is, has that, the regular delays, has that been taken into consideration with this extended route? And are we, um, you said Saturday you were starting to practice, right? It will, it, testing, it will be in service. So riders will be using the new route starting Saturday so that by the time that the bridges, or sorry, that the on and off ramps 
close to everyone else, our operators will have already been operating at it for a few days. Yes. Okay, so we're going to be navigating. And when is all this supposed to be taking place? The date exactly? This Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. The before the <laughs> the other exit closes, it's a lot to navigate. And I want to make sure that we have the proper signage in place, the proper information. I think it will behoove um, all transportation agencies to be in um, special contact with the agencies on the island that serve the residents that we're all on the same page because I am along with other residents as a mother, as a driver, I do have some concerns. And it's gonna be something new, all the twists, all the turns, a big bus going up, you know, that alone is gonna cause delays in how we get off the island, just being behind the bus that is now going up the hill. So I would really, 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 really want to see, you know, extra efforts as far as outreach. Um, Treasure Island is one of the smallest communities in the Bay Area, but we are the hardest to get the word out to. Yeah. So I think it's really important. And I like, one thing I will applaud you for is that you have every language available. And I am very happy about that because obviously we don't want that disconnect because then it really does pose a safety issue. So thank you for your presentation. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So hearing no other questions or comments, I'd like to move this agenda along um, so, so that people can get home to their families. Um, so num the next item, please. Back to item number seven, Treasure Island aspirational statement. And, and I'd like for the presentation to be as concise as possible so that we can move the agenda forward. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Good evening, good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Good evening to the board. Good evening to our community members. My name is Lazara Paz Gonzalez. I've had the absolute honor of working alongside One Treasure Island, Kaida, and the TIDG to be able to develop draft aspirational statements for our community, for Treasure Island. And for those of us who may or may not know, what are aspirational statements? First, I'll talk about what they are, and then I'll talk about why it's important that we're doing this project. Aspirational statements are language that describes a future that reflects and builds on areas identified as important to and valued by the defining body, that being the community, that being the group that put this together, that being every person in this room, and those that are yet to come. So I thank Director Sen for starting our conversation earlier today around what it is to build up the community, what it is to evolve, what it is to change. But also, I want to uplift the community in saying what it is that is important for us to remain, to hold on to, and uplift with dignity. So with that, aspirational statements include a vision. So what does the future look like? A mission. What are we working towards? and values, what it is that we believe and we uphold here in our community, and we want not only each other to know, but our future to know as well. So that brings us to why it's important. It's important because we want to make sure that residents and community members that are actively here now and those who have passed are still recognized 
as we evolve, as we change, as we build. And as we're doing that, we want to be able to set the tone with common language that all of us here can use, but everyone else around us and those yet to come, whether they be visiting, whether they be new businesses, whether they be new partners, whether they, we bring in contractors, whoever joins our community has a common language that we can all uphold. What does that look like? The purpose of this project was to be able to develop the shared aspirational vision statement for Treasure Island, rooted in what we already know and need to continue to uphold, which is inclusion, equity, and belonging, also supporting a cultural foundation for the community and its redevelopment. How do we go about that? This hasn't been a one-time process, actually. I've had the pleasure of working on the island in one capacity or another for almost two years now. But this particular project has been over six months. And in that process, it's been supported by our three partners that I just named, but also from ongoing feedback that we've received from the TI community members themselves and other stakeholders. How did we do that? We've had a collective work group that came together to be able to embody this information and provide feedback on it. We were able to look at community work groups that were developed from island members themselves. We hosted three virtual meetings, but then also another follow-up meeting to unveil the statements that we've developed. We've presented to the board in the past. We've presented to the CAB. We actually presented to TIDG board, and today we're presenting it live again as our final draft statement, which we are proposing to use as language for the community of Treasure Island. Part of that assessment in our most recent community engagement opportunity was through conducting surveys. Surveys were disseminated by 1TI from February to April, and we collected over 150 surveys that came in in various languages, English and Spanish, and actually Chinese spoken language as well. And we're able to look at those responses. And what did the response say about what we were proposing is the follow. The words that represent the TI community are in this bubble. In this bubble, if anyone has seen a word cloud before, the biggest words are what people identify with the most. So in this case, opportunity, diversity, inclusion, connection, helpful. That's what people, before even reading our statements, believe that TI is. Once we shared our statements, input that came back, what are the words that resonated and connected with community members and or those that were reading it the most? Opportunity, equity, inclusion, community, sustainability. If there's anything that you're going to remember, I hope that you remember from this presentation, is the fact that there's a lot of overlap between what people believe that TI is and the words that we're using in our proposed aspirational statements, which you will see in a moment. What else did people say? People felt that they were connected to it. The overall majority, if we look at it in a comprehensive look here, about 85% or so, my math isn't all that great, said that they either loved or liked it. That's really great. How did people feel connected to it? 90% of them said that they did. Of course, not everything is perfect, and we didn't intend to be perfect, but we intended to put forth what we believed was that feeling that would capture, uplift, and once again connect community to where it is now and where we want it to be in the future. Some slight adaptive uh, language that folk wanted to see, 
the change of the word of environmental care versus stewardship, which we had, words use of equity versus equality, which mean two different things. People still want to be able to remember and highlight TI's uniqueness. We made sure that that was also resonated and shifted into the proposed statement. And the one thing that people want continuously ask for is that we reinforce that TI is a community effort. It is not just a business. It is not just an operation. It is a community. And so, without further ado, I know that it's very tiny for you to see right now, but I will read um, what these statements state. And if I may. So our vision statement, and I'm going to get a little bit closer, is that Treasure Island is a tr thriving San Francisco neighborhood in the middle of the bay, celebrated by its thriving culture, outdoor experiences, and sustainable community. What is our mission? So what do we want to do? Our mission is to create a welcoming, vibrant, and healthy community that honors the diversity of the past, existing, and future residences, businesses, and visitors. And what do our core values include? Our core values include inclusion and equity, sustainability, opportunity, and connection. And when we talk about Treasure Island, we want to remember that opportunity awaits. And, as I stated before, there's still some lingering concerns. And this goes by saying that we need to ensure that diversity, equity, individuality, and affordability are still applicable and remain available to our community constituents. We want to make sure that we address safety concerns throughout the island. You heard it here today more than once. And so it's prominent not only in what they were saying today, but what we heard in our surveys. And also, people are looking for a pledge to actively and comprehensively serve all residents. Perhaps one of the recommendations that I offer is that we increase, increase awareness of TI's position to develop credibility and trust among community residents, but you all define what that looks like. Beyond that, some next steps. People would like to see this promoted, and they want to see it promoted always. They're looking for billboards, local bulletins, bus and transit ads. I love that we said that maybe we can consider putting more information inside of the 25. That's important. Business places here on the island. Here's some mimics of what that can look like, but other ways, through community action, through shared power, emailed to residents, displayed in community housing units, and also on Nextdoor or any other online platform. Other next steps, consider how you want to proactively, transparently, and effectively inform and educate residents and anyone, not only those that are here, but those that are coming. Involve city officials, do city proclamations, use our beautiful Building One or the museum, the ferry landing, social media, TV, radio, and other commercial platforms. Make sure that everyone is not only buying into it, but also speaking the same language and walking the same language. We cannot seek achievement for ourselves and forget about progress and prosperity for our community. Our ambitions must be broad enough to include the aspiration and the needs of others for their sakes and for our own. That is a quote from Cesar Chavez. Thank you for the time. 
and I hope that we can adapt them. Thank you very much, Lazara, for, for that presentation and for that aspirational statement. I can say that on behalf of the board, we all believe in all the core values that you've presented today. And I'm glad to note that 90%, almost 90% of your respondents to your survey like or love this island, and that's really important. So um, I'm going to open it up um, to the public first and then to the directors. Anybody who wish to make any questions or comments on this presentation, you can come up now. Okay. And then um, is there anybody on the phone? Okay. Then we'll open it up to the directors if there's any questions or comments. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Have. Okay, let's, let's Can we, this is to you, Kate, um, all the presentations today that were made to please make sure that the commissioners have them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. so, so but let's, let's have Thank a you. comment and we'll move on. Go ahead. Um, just my only comment is um, the youth, you know me, that's my thing. Um, how, like, I want to see a little bit more with the youth perspective on the, um, on the statement. I would like to see that. Right. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> let's keep going. Yeah. Through the surveys, surveys were also disseminated to youth, so that we did get some input also on what youth representation is. None of the language was altered, and I'm still open to being able to provide that back out again, have them review it. If there are any changes that need to be made, we're happy to make it adaptable. But okay. yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right. So I think we can go on to the next item, please. Item number eight, Starview Court update. Starview Court. So I'd uh, like to invite Mercy Housing to, to they were going to give an update on the uh, status of the Starview Court project, and uh, which will be, you know, is under construction, is expected to be completed roughly a year from now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Evelyn Perdomo with Mercy Housing, um, project manager for Starview Court. Um, really happy to be here in front of you all. Um, Mercy last presented on this project in 2019, um, and so we're really excited to share the progress that's been made. Uh, first, a little bit about Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities. Um, Mercy Housing is a national nonprofit um, working to address the shortage of affordable housing across the country. Mercy participates in the development, uh, preservation, and management of program-enriched program and affordable housing across the country. Uh, Mercy worked on every aspect of the affordable housing process, from project financing to community outreach, property management, and resident services. Um, Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities are both founding members of One Treasure Island, and Starvey Court is, will be the fourth affordable housing project that Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities have developed together. Um, Catholic Charities is a great organization, very rooted in Treasure Island. They provide services and support to families, aging adults, adults with disabilities, and youth um, through human services and opportunities for healthy growth and development. Some of the 
Services they provide include transportation, immigration, hopelessness, and housing services. Um, and they have been operating supportive, supportive housing on the island since 1999. Um, so now moving on to Starvey Court. This is the second authority development on Treasure Island. It is 138 units with a mix of one, two, three, and four bedroom apartments. Uh, the breakdown is shown here on the slide. It is currently under construction and completion is anticipated for June 2024. Uh, this is the project location. We are on the corner of Seven Seas and Johnson Street. It's also the project you see as you exit this building. Um, here are some photos of construction progress. Uh, the first photo is along Seven Seas, and the second is taken from within the courtyard. So now on to who, who will live here. Uh, 71 apartments are for families currently living on the island that receive services from Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities will remain the main service provider for these units. There are also 23 apartments for legacy households that currently live in a unit at the villages, and those 23 units are not income restriction, restricted. Um, there are also up to 43 apartments for households earning between 50 to 60% of the area median income. Um, people will be able to apply for these units through Dahlia, and we do want to highlight that legacy and vested residents have a preference for these units via Dahlia. Um, now a little bit about staffing. Uh, On-site management will be provided by Mercy Housing Management Group. As I mentioned earlier, Catholic Charities will provide on-site supportive services and case management uh, for the Catholic Charities households. Mercy Housing will also provide one full-time resident services coordinator uh, that will provide services for all residents, um, and they will help to establish relationships with residents as well as um, ensure that the programs on site meet the needs of the families at Starvey Court. This is not an exhaustive list, but some of the services they provide include you know, referrals to community services, after-school homework programs, technology literacy, uh, health education and risk reduction, and some of, these some of these services will also be provided in conjunction with island partners. Uh, now we just wanna highlight some of the design features, starting with the exterior. The main lobby and entry are located in the middle of Johnson Street, across from what will be a future park. The building consists of two wings that are connected by bridges. The shared public way wing is four stories and the seven seas wing is seven stories. Um, we also have storefront that provides um, a lot of natural daylight and offices, sorry, natural daylight for the offices and youth activities room. The youth activities room is located on the corner of seven seas and Johnson Street. Um, another nice feature is that units on the ground floor of the shared public way and seven seas have stoops that provide an additional entrance to those units. Now some of the interior features, we have um, bike parking for 138 spaces, an at-grade garage with limited parking. Some of the community serving uses include a community room and kitchen, as well as on-site laundry located on the second floor uh, adjacent to the outdoor courtyard. 
The laundry room has a lounge area that, over, that overlooks the future public park and the uh, community room overlooks it as well. And these are some of the, some renderings from the architect. Um, you see the community room, the entry lobby, and a view of the courtyard. So just to give a, a brief overview of the schedule, we started construction last summer. We're currently about 42% complete, so almost halfway there. We anticipate that the Dahlia lottery will occur sometime in quarter one, 2024. And we um, anticipate and are currently on schedule for construction completion and for residents to begin moving in next June. That concludes my presentation. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, please also visit our website. We have informational flyers out in the back by the door. Um, we're also providing a tour for people that are interested in uh, viewing another Mercy property in Mission Bay. Uh, you, there's a sign-up sheet on the back. You can also email us. Uh, but yeah, happy to answer any questions. Okay. Thank you so much, Evelyn, for coming to tell us. And, and I would like to say Starview Court is the first um, affordable family project to be built on Treasure Island. So it's very remarkable that you're even offering three and four bedrooms as well. So thank you to Mercy Housing and to Catholic Charities for it. Um, okay, we're going to take comments from the public. Okay, and if, uh, is there people on the phone as well? No, okay, go ahead. Okay, my question is, are, are those places are going to have parking? Um, so, let's see, Evelyn, that there is, um, I don't know how many parking spaces that are available. Evelyn, would you? Yes. There are 26 parking spaces. Okay, there'll be 26 parking spaces then. Yes. So, uh, this is not a conversation, I'm sorry. Uh, we will hear your question and your um, comments, but this is not, we cannot respond. Okay, and how, um, and how long can we apply for those places? And I'm also, sorry. I'm sorry? If you have, go ahead and ask your um, questions and then the staff could um, either contact you later with the answers. Go ahead. Are those only for one, two, three person, but more than four persons? You know, I, I think that what would be great is if you could talk to Karen, uh, who is here with AWRS, um, and she has perhaps more answers that she can give to you. All right, thank you. All right, um, so now there's nobody on the phone. Yo tengo preguntas acerca de que yo he escuchado que dicen que van a cobrar la entrada de la isla y la salida. Si es verdad, quiero que me lo contesten como sea, pero sí contéstenlo para todos. Y también si van a ver, nosotros no queremos que haya parquímetros. Eso, eso lo vamos a hacer, no es como pregunta. Eso es como nosotros, como inquilinos, no queremos que haya en la isla. No queremos que cobren la entrada y la salida de la isla y no queremos que haya parquímetros. Gracias. 
she's saying since you're not answering questions, she'll list it as a demand. She does not want you to charge the entrance and exit for the island. She heard from someone that uh, that residents would have to pay to enter or to leave the island at some point. They also uh, were told that there was going to be new parking meters along the side since there's no parking available in these new units. Uh, sh they do not want that to happen either. They don't know how parking is going to be determined and they'd like to know that information. Um, thank you. Okay, thank you. You can contact the staff on that, yeah. All right. And I am coming back, hopefully, to again elevate the voices of the families that live here. We are working. We have people who are students. We have um, adults that are entering in that may not have established, but we are, we're continuing to forge forward with building housing that does not reflect the community in transportation or in costs. So just like how you know, you, you say you want to see people show up. You want to see the diversity. Here they are, you know, a diverse community showing up. And this is just a portion of the working class families that are saying, hey, I have, you know, my children are over here. My house is over here. I go to work over here. And yet we're still not really building and holding these developers to really reflect and build housing that really looks like our need. I keep saying imagine. Imagine a house of six trying to do laundry downstairs. Imagine trying to figure out where you're gonna park. Part, I mean, it's a hundred and something dollar ticket if you, you get that. Imagine that when you know that nearly 90% like, of this community is below $125,000 a year. So I mean, again, we keep moving forward. Please stand up, like stand up and say, hey, stop, enough. We are, our community is getting torn up and you keep saying we're gonna be here, but it's not showing up. I see it in the, in the, the parking, I see it in how we're doing this. Hold them accountable to keep this community together. This is a phenomenal community. We're showing up. We're showing up. You keep telling us to bring them, we keep bringing them, and we're going to keep bringing them. Come on, please. Thank you for your opinion. Okay. Right. Well, um, so I will be open it to the directors for any of your comments or questions. Yes, Linda, please go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, Ms. Perdino for the update on the STAR. I, you know, we are here and I hope that as we continue to have meetings on the island, we will get the opportunity to really inform and educate people to see what the developments are. Not too many people here know that San Francisco, the city and county of San Francisco set policy all the commissioners here in a different capacity, when all these plans were being drawn, we've had to fight even for the parking that you have now because San Francisco, the entire San Francisco development, not just this one, they are not encouraging this public transportation. I just want to stress that out there. You also need to look at the cost. This star 
apartment that we've been built in order to be able to have the maximum units because in San Francisco right now, you have almost 70,000 families that are waiting in line, cannot even get into housing. I'm sure you all are reading about the homeless situation. San Francisco does not have the money in the world to build all the housing. So what we are doing here is begging every money, it's a public-private partnership, to build StarTech apartment. The funding comes from public, private, and nonprofit, I mean everything tilled together. And so you have a, an apartment that has, it's not gonna have individual washer in your room. That time in San Francisco is long gone. But you have a central area that you could do your laundry. That's the trend in San Francisco. And what everybody should be doing is helping so that we can build more housing here. We have the land on Treasure Island, but right now, we don't have all the funds to do that, and we're doing so, I just wanna do that. But the response to Mr. Pardino, I wanted you to convey to Mercy, and I'm also going to convey to John Stewart. At the beginning of our meeting, I heard this statement from the public about blacks or people being targeted, and I also heard from the residents about the rent. We're also hearing that in San Francisco, so it's not just. What I would like to have at some point is a presentation from John Stewart, Mercy Housing, to kind of inform us, to make sure because the end of the Day, we want to make sure that the residents that are here are able to live on the island. That's the number one goal here. And I want to bring it out since you're here that we're going to be looking at that. Every now and then we have all the information that cannot be substantiated. However, we are obligated to ask those questions and to make sure that the residents are protected. When we come out to Treasure Island, we wanted to see the diversity that we have all fought for. All of us here, if you look at here, it is not a coincidence that everybody sitting here, the diversity, those decisions were made consciously to make sure that we can add the question. So I am going to be asking again about how the rent and who are being displaced. I, we know we don't have any report here, but sometimes you hear information you have to ask the question and have it substantiated. So I need you, it's another topic, but it's part of the housing since you are here. Uh, I would like to, to uh, the chair and the director to at some point address these issues, but thank you so much for the progress, uh, your excellent uh, presentation. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do we have another question or comment from directors? Okay. No. Hearing none, um, we'll go on to the next item. Thank you very much for that report. Yeah. Item number nine, transitional housing opportunities. Um, with, with Starview Court coming up, this is, uh, uh, represents also a, a, a great opportunity for many of our, mar our market rate residents that will have transitional housing opportunities in this building in addition to all of our Catholic Charities residents. Um, so for, uh, residents who have questions about the units, about uh, 
the the opportunities at Starview Court. Uh, Treasure Island Advisors is is here to help residents with those questions, and uh, wanted to have Karen say a few words and introduce her team. Good evening. Thank you for letting us um, come tonight and present before the board. And in the interest of time, um, what we'd like to do today is introduce some of the new board to some of our new team um, here uh, uh, to you guys tonight. So the board and the city and county issued a master services agreement with ARWS to continue serving as a TI advisor here on the island, and we're very thankful for that. So uh, after we received that last month, um, we brought on our team that I'd like to introduce tonight. Um, so on my right is Crystal Timms with YCAT. Hi. Rome Jones with YCAT. <laughs> Vanessa Zamora with uh, Interethnica. And Elena Casanon with Interethnica. So thank you all very much. Um, you can have a seat. Um, we've, we've heard um, your direction and we wanted to let you know that um, we're really eager because we found some of the best of the best to serve this community. In addition, uh, some of the best of the best happen to be LBEs or micro LBEs here in San Francisco. So we're very happy about that. Um, uh, all of them are LBEs, and YCAT and Copy Circle are also micro, uh, L, uh, micro LBEs in San Francisco. So um, as you might notice from everything that we put together, we use a print shop very often. So I just want to quickly go through this. Um, as you all know, that there are really two large groups of uh, residents on the island. Uh, one are in the One Treasure Island member organizations, um, and then the other are the villages at Treasure Island. Um, One Treasure Island, as you know, is responsible um, to help create 200, uh, to help maintain 260 units of affordable housing here on the island of formerly homeless households. And um, while that's really exciting, and we really appreciate that, um, our focus as TI advisors are really for the um, legacy households and residents, um, the vested residents and post-vested residents um, at living at the villages on Treasure Island. This slide um, provides information about uh, what we've presented in the past about the assistance that's available. Um, legacy households are those that have, were on the island before June 29, 2011, and our role really is to provide TI advisor support, help them understand their future housing options, help them um, transition to um, transition units, uh, process in-lieu payments if that is something that they're interested in, help process with down payment assistance, and um, help them understand their opportunities for affordable housing with their Treasure Island resident certificate number. Uh, vested residents are those who moved in, and I'm sorry I'm talking so quickly because I do want to acknowledge that our TI advisor team has really been trying to respond to um, our community that is Spanish-speaking tonight, and they've been trying to interpret live as we go forward, so I'll slow it down a minute. Our vested residents are those who moved onto the island between uh, June 30th, 2011, and um, December 11th, 2019. At that time, the board decided to extend uh, certain benefits to that population, and we're offering TI advisor support 
um, affordable housing units if they income qualify using their Treasure Island resident number um, and pre-marketing notice about available housing. We have post-vested residents, those who came in after 2019, and um, we're there to support them, help them have information about housing on the island. Um, and so we have a lot of information that we're sharing with them. And then we also have corporate leaseholders. And um, we don't have uh, much that we are doing particularly to uh, focus on that group, except we are available to give them information about um, what housing is available, including the affordable housing that's coming up um, and the other market rate housing. So we've talked a lot tonight about Starview Court. And um, I don't know that I need to reiterate that tonight. We're very excited. Our, our mission for this next 10 months or 12 months is to really engage our community about the opportunities at Starview Court. We have a lot of interested folks, so we're glad about that. Um, one of the things we want to talk about, and I am not sure you all have screens that you can see, but um, is about the affordable, affordability of affordable units at Starview Court. And I'm happy to give you handouts. We have them in English and Spanish in the back um, that will describe this a little bit more. But the way you read it is if there are four people in your household and your income's between 48000 and 72000 you may income qualify for a two-bedroom unit at Starview Court. And if you do, your rent would be 1621 That's a lot of information. What we've learned is blanketing people with information isn't as helpful as sitting down with them one-on-one. -on -one. And that's why we have such a strong team to make sure we're doing that in the next months. Um, our, our friends at Starview Court have kind of gone over a timeline. Um, what we're trying to do between now and July is reach out one-on-one -on -one with people. We're going to have two open house events about Starview Court in July here on the island. We're really excited about that. Um, we're going to continue to have outreach throughout the summer, and we're going to have a, a volunteer transition unit period um, this summer so that people can tell us about their interest at Starview Court. This is uh, more information about um, our timeline. Um, just really our goal is to get people very interested in Starview Court and let us know about that interest so that we can help match them at the, um, for transition units on the island at Starview Court. We also want to get people interested in the affordable housing units and understand if the income qualify. Um, we're going to have a volunteer period for transition units until September 1st, and um, then we hope to match as many people as we can, and um, then we're hoping that we can have everyone lease up at Starview Court uh, beginning in June of 2024. And this is just information about housing that's to come. Um, we're excited about Starview Court, also Title House and Hawkins, which ha will have inclusionary below-market rent um, apartments for rent. And then we have the portico that is coming, and it will have uh, seven condominiums for sale at below market. And uh, this map you all might be familiar with, but it gives us a, an idea of the location of those units. And here's another way of looking at the properties that are coming online before 2026. And that was a very quick overview of the available housing that's coming to Starview Court. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And Karen, you will have to give that information over and over again so that people understand it's, it's complicated. But I think that, that it's important that Starview Court is coming up. There's going to be family apartments there. People need to understand the timeline of when you can apply. And, and the person that you need to get information from is Karen and her team.
and I'm glad to see that you've got a team supporting you so that we can have better outreach. But thank you. Yeah. Okay, so we will, um, we will open it up to comments and questions from the public first, and then we will open it up to the directors. Are there any, can you? Go ahead. Well, let's move on. Be that as it may. Jeff Klein again, 24 year. 24, am I on? Should I just speak real loud? Yes, your 24-year village resident. And I want to talk about the pipeline. Project footprint covers 152 units with 70, 474 bedrooms, as I calculated. So I assume there's going to be 474 people eventually displaced, which is 58% of all the villagers. 61 will likely be post-vested. You heard about post-vested. You got no rights if you're post-vested. And lacking housing benefits, they're likely to suffer irreparable harm from being displaced. I estimate the number of displaced vested villagers at 228. These vulnerable vested and post-vested total 289 villagers, more than 61% of the ca my calculated displaced villagers, and more than a third of all villagers. Most of these 289 vulnerable villagers could be forced off Treasure Island before enough affordable or inclusionary units are built for income qualified villagers to rent. And before enough one Treasure Island units are built for remaining housing area to be vacated for interim moves. So the project schedule, as I read it from the uh, March presentation, I only count 76 affordable or inclusionary units being built by the end of 2025. That's about half of what you're going to need to handle all the people you're planning to displace. Consequently, as a matter of public policy and consistent with the city effort to reduce homelessness, which includes the interim tie-dye and market rate housing project that brought us all here, TIDA should stipulate that the schedule for displacement of any villagers in the project footprint must be conditional upon sufficient affordable housing units being available in the project and that post-vested residents be given the opportunity to move to such affordable units rather than be evicted. And I look forward to TIDA amending the THRNRs accordingly. Y, y nosotros llegamos a vivir aquí en el 2012, tengo tres hijos y mi pregunta es ¿qué va a pasar con nosotros? Porque pues me la he pasado aplicando para housing, para… Sí, sí. Hi, my name is Nora, I got here in 2012, so I'm… I don't qualify for legacy housing. For legacy housing, I'd like to know what's going to happen with us moving forward. I have three kids. I have three kids and I want to know what happens next. I have a question. Sí. Um, para el gobierno, he aplicado, en mi casa está el salario mío, el de mi esposo y el de mi hermana. Ella no es casada, es soltera. Ganan mucho para aplicar. 
y para comprar no gana nada. Entonces, sí digo, ¿qué va a pasar con nosotros? ¿Vamos a tener oportunidad de aplicar para vivir aquí? ¿Nos van a echar o qué va a pasar? We have a lot of people living in one household that are all working, even though individually we don't make enough money. Altogether, we're making too much money to qualify for affordable housing. So what's going to happen to those of us that don't qualify for affordable housing because too many of us are living in one unit, but then don't qualify to purchase something because we don't make enough money? It's a complicated situation for us. Sí, y así como yo, vemos mucha gente que he conocido aquí en la isla que tienen hijos como yo y que llegaron más o menos en esa fecha, so, mi pregunta es, ¿nos van a dejar en el aire o nos van a dar la oportunidad de seguir viviendo aquí o nos van a aumentar una renta demasiado elevada? No podemos pagar algo muy, ni fuera de aquí porque es caro. And she wants to know, what's gonna, what are we going to offer aside from the affordable units? She can't qualify for affordable units, but she doesn't want to leave the island. She can't pay market rate housing rates because they're going to be insanely expensive. Even though they're all working, this is not something that they can afford. She wants to know what's next. Are you going to leave them without housing? Do they have to find housing off the island? They don't want to leave the island since it's their community. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hi, my question is about, I know Linda is really nice and I really appreciate all the effort you are doing. And I know your point, you are trying to help a lot of people and that's really nice and kind and I appreciate that. But the other question is, we all are middle class, low class working. so. If I'm working right now, and if I don't have a place where to put the car, because I use it to go everywhere, sometimes bus is late and I, I have to work for other people. And if, I, if they are expecting me a certain time, sometimes the bus is late. And I think many people will have that problem. So do I need to be homeless and then don't have a car and apply for this apartment? Or what solution can I have? So they are helping some, but others are getting affected. I know that's not fair, and I feel really bad for others, but I'm just speaking about me and friends because we, are, we don't know anything. Sometimes they tell us something, and they are changing their mind after, and we come every time, and they tell us something different. So now I'm just confused and concerned about this situation, what is coming ahead of us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So um, are there any other um, on the phone? No. Hi, so my name is Lauren Menon. I've been a resident of Treasure Island since 2016. And I just want to speak. You heard today a lot of questions and comments. I hope you also heard people, families, and a community. I've been here since 2016. We've had sporadic meetings like this. People have raised their concerns. They've asked questions. We don't get feedback. We don't get answers. We don't get the comfort that we know what our lives and our options will be in the next six month, year, five years, 10 years. These people are building their lives. Our community is here. We just want to know what our options are how we will live and how we can provide for our families. So please consider, these are not just questions and comments. 
their families, their lives, and we need answers. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, And then after you, I'm going to close the public comment. Go ahead. <laughs> Steve Stallone. Um, well, I just want to back up what part of what Lauren was saying is that people don't know where they're going, what's going on with their lives. There are people here that don't even understand that there's, that there's an, uh, an attempt to put a toll on this island, that there's limited parking. When we asked for an uh, uh, on-island meeting, we were talking about having, we were thinking that we were going to have a meeting where people would be able to talk, where there would be a situation where people can ask questions, have a conversation, know what's going on, get an idea of where, I mean, people are all over the map. That is what we still haven't had. That is what these people need and deserve is something that's formatted more like a town hall where there is a conversation about what's going on, where people can go talk back and forth and get to understand each other get and deal with these problems. These aren't individual problems that go to Ms. Eidelman. These are questions for the whole community and we still need an on-island meeting. I mean look at this, the transition housing issue was number seven on the agenda. What did it show up tonight? Was this the last part of, of the no, entire meeting? There's me more. Which there's is more? <laughs> it's what, pushing 930. Right. Who's left? Yeah. So, you know? so, so we are. We're, we're going to, we're still asking for an on-island meeting where there can be conversation, where it's more structured, more like a town hall and not restricted by uh, the, the Brown Act that I completely believe in, but does not allow for you to answer questions, does, gives people just two minutes and that's it. And see, Thank just you. like that, I'm cut off in this sense. <laughs> See, and that's thank exactly you. Thank you. So thank thank you very much. So, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Everybody has two minutes. And thank you very much for your comments. This is a public meeting which we have certain rules that we have to follow. This is not a townhouse meeting, uh, a town hall meeting where there can be a back and forth, but I would like to again say that Karen Edelman and those advisors that are here today are the people that you need to talk to. And I understand housing is such a critical issue for all of us and for our families. Each family is different. So we can't, in a public forum like this, answer each of your questions. You have to do that through your Treasure Island um, advisor. So Karen, would you again come up? And I believe that we've had numerous community meetings uh, to talk about the options that there are, and, and also that there's some other meetings that are coming up. Is that right? Yes. But I think the best thing is that you, you have a one-to-one -one conversation with the advisor that you can talk about your particular family uh, issues. So, Karen, go ahead. We're, 
we're really happy to make time um, to meet with the community. Uh, but as you say, one-on-one -on -one is where you can describe your personal situation and what you need. And what we're trying to do is help each person understand an individual housing plan and their opportunities in the island. Um, so we're excited about being able to spend a lot of time this summer doing that. Uh, we're also going to have some uh, drop-in sessions, which could be helpful to people that um, don't have time to schedule an event. And then we have um, we're, the Starview Court Open House event is going to be on a Thursday night in July on the 13th, and then again on a Saturday morning, the exact same program, so that we can reach as many people as possible. And at that event, we'll make sure we have both English and Spanish speakers. And if we identify additional uh, language needs, we'll make sure that we have them available. Interethnica has a very deep bench for interpreters and translators. Um, and we continue to have all kinds of materials. We spend a lot of our day calling people, talking to people, sending them information about um, these handouts that you have in the back. I encourage you all to stop by, get a collection of information, um, and have it on hand. Uh, but. Our goal really is to help people understand individually and what it means to them. Okay, so so there are many ways in which to get information. There's drop-in sessions. There's you can call Karen's um, team and set up individual appointments. Um, I, I think there's flyers. There's information that is available. So please, please take advantage of that. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. So I'm going to open it up to the directors. I yes, Jeanette. Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to reiterate that. I mean, this is um, really important. Um, TI Advisors has the eligibility. What people are eligible for the island, at least as far as we have been told. I know that eligibility was um, created a few years ago. So. You need, I mean, really, honestly, this is really important um, to contact Karen, her team, use that number, the email, and find out what you're eligible for. If you do that and you still don't know, then there's a real problem. And this is, this is what I can't understand. I mean, we, this is my third meeting. I've heard the same thing over and over again. I've met with staff to understand this. It's, I'm, a, I'm frustrated because I'm hearing from you all that you don't know what you're eligible for, you don't know what's available, and yet there is a team that is there designed, being contracted by the city to, to, to do this work. So, yeah, so I, I would just encourage you and then, yeah, let us know then. If you do that and you still don't know and you still don't know after you've contacted them, you're still in the dark, then I really want to know if that's the case. So I would just put that on on the folks we've heard from a few times now. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm sorry. Um, so, I'm gonna make okay, my comment. Yes, Linda, Linda Richardson. I just, thank you, uh, Commissioner Howard, for your, <laughs> I just want to piggyback. Please listen. Tida has invested millions of dollars for outreach information. And the basic questions that every resident of Treasure Island, we are still hearing that. And you are right, Commissioner Howard, and you are the new uh, commissioner here. We are hearing those basic questions. This woman, 
has a household. She says she's not qualified because cumulatively her income household make more than the requirement, but she doesn't have enough for market rate. How long is it gonna take for the answers to those kind of family? You know, I, for me, the frustration here. We can have multiple town hall meetings by our advisors. They are not bound by sunshine. They can have multiple town hall whereby this woman can stand up and say, this is my situation, I want it. And I know there are other residents that have the same information. So again, what is the universe of the resident of Treasure Island? We have, what, 1,200? Okay, every, every resident of Treasure Island by now should know where they fit in order for them to be able to plan accordingly for their families and in order for issues that we have. Tighter will try to address them, but there might be issues that we have to take to the city and county of San Francisco because the residents of Treasure Island are also San Francisco residents. And we know that the city had been addressing these issues for a long time. So I just wanted to say here is that we need to get to the bottom of this. We need really to get to the bottom. I'd like to see the data of who is being talked to, what they were being talked to, so that the next time they show up, we can say no. They, you know, they met with you the following week. So we're going to have to do that because next time we come up here or we have a meeting at City Hall, let's hope that all these basic questions are not coming forward. Then we may have to do something, you know, drastic after that. Okay, thank you. Um, Chanda, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So I'm hearing three things. I'm hearing that the information is available and it's abundant. I'm hearing that there's a disconnect in how the information is being communicated to the different groups. The main thing I'm hearing is that traditionally, how you do your outreach is not working on the island. So I think it's worth visiting a different solution, a different look, you know, thinking just outside the box, in the box, getting a circle, I don't know. But I think between me, you, and Anne-Marie, that we can come together. Because one thing that of my years on the island, dealing with the different community groups, is that outreach is an issue. It's the smallest community in the Bay Area, but it's the hardest to reach out to because we're very diverse, we're very busy, and we live on the island. Who else in San Francisco lives on the island, okay? We literally live on the island of information. We literally live on the physical island. It's worth visiting how we interact on the island. After seeing your group at the Juneteenth event, it was really refreshing. You know, I haven't seen you at a lot of community events and you got a really good feedback from the community at your table. So I think it's worth visiting the relationships and the collaborations with the on-island groups, the ones who actually deal, so we can get this information out specifically. 
to who it needs to get to in a timely manner, in a practical fashion, as well as this is the information that we have, but this is the follow-up information, the follow-up timeframe, and how it applies to everybody's specific situation. What I am definitely hearing is that all of this cannot be talked about in these particular meetings, but that particular meetings have to be set for these things to be talked about, and that needs to be a priority amongst everyone, not just the TI advisors, but also the residents. You have a responsibility when it comes to your housing. And we have a responsibility to give you the information that pertains to you as it affects your daily life. As a resident, I understand that. I, I, we all understand that. But as a resident, I emphasize specifically with that. So again, I am going to offer my services in helping to coordinate these efforts because another thing is the information that's being presented today is specifically for the village's residents, but it leads questions to how it plays out for the other residents outside of the villages and how it plays into the programs and what are the options for her situation in particular. I make too much that for affordable, I don't make enough for market. So how, what, what can I do in the meantime? And the first thing that comes to my mind is like affordable home ownership. Where are these programs at? What is the other help? We need to go beyond of just what the help we can provide and the resources that we can give to our residents so they can access more if we can't give them what they need. So let's work on that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, hearing no other, oh, Mark, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Uh, anyway, I just, you know, I certainly wanted to thank uh, Ms. Elderman for her work and, and all the great stuff she's done. Thank you. And so a lot of the questions I've heard um, actually are questions that, uh, that are supposed to be answered or helped with, with the TI advisors. And I thought it was interesting that some TI advisors were the people coming up and complaining. But, and I thought that the TI advisors are supposed to be coming up with, uh, let me finish please. Um, that are supposed to be coming up with answers. We're paying a lot of money for these services, and I have a lot of respect for Ms. Elderman, but uh, the thing is, is that we need the, these questions. What's going on here? We need, okay, we, we need these questions answered. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, but I guess the bottom line is what I'm trying to say is these questions come up. There are people that we have hired 
to answer these questions, and they're clearly not answered. And so I'm asking both our staff, for Ms. Eldman, for somehow to get answers to everyone. This has been going on a long, long time, and it's been going on too long. And we need, people need to know what their future looks like. I mean, I understand. I live on the island myself, and I have questions that aren't getting answered. So, you know, I do definitely understand. I'm just, I'm more angry at this should not be a situation. Okay. This should have been done some time ago. And so let's, you know, every month, let's get a report on this, on how far in numbers, exact numbers of people who have been talked to and responses. Thank you, Mark. Is there any other comments? So hearing none, can we go to the next item, please? Item number 12, electrical system update. Okay, so who is presenting on this? So, um, we, we, during, I mentioned earlier that uh, the, uh, we, we have a new, new switch here that have been installed on the island as part of the development. Um, and that's intended to support the, the new infrastructure, but it's also had benefits for the existing island infrastructure, electrical infrastructure as well. Um, but in addition to working on the new system uh, over the last several years, there's been a number of uh, investments that have been made in the existing system to try and improve reliability uh, of the system. The, the Public Utilities Commission uh, maintains and operates the system on our behalf. Uh, and I uh, wanted to re welcome Ramon from the PUC uh, to describe a few of the the improvements that have been made and the efforts that have been undertaken in the last few years. So, R Ramon Abueg. Good evening. So I know it's been a long night, so I'll try to be quick. So uh, with all due respect, uh, so the PUC as contractor for TIDA, we've been doing a lot of monitoring the island and we have fixing things as things come along, as, as we have identified them. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I know you're still having uh, electrical issues, but the outages have become shorter and the areas affected are getting less. So we are still having outages, but the improvements that we've made through the operations and maintenance is really, I, we believe it's working. We still have a long way to go. However, we are doing everything that we can that when, as soon as we identify problems, we fix them, make them better. And that may include as simple as just replacing poles. So, and I'm here really to answer any questions, any concerns that you have that I may answer. Uh, so, uh, I'm inviting questions. Okay. So. Well, thank you for coming. It's been, it has been a long night, um, but we're going to open it up to the public first for questions or comments, and then we'll open it up to the directors. So. I just want to know, is everybody working on the power system on the island, are they union? That's my question. Okay. So the question is whether or not the workers working on, on our electricity, are their union members? Yes, they are. They are part of Local 6. 
the IBEW local six. Thank you. Thank you. So hearing no other comments or questions, we'll open it up to the board. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there a phone? Are there any phone comments? No. All right. Okay. Mark, go ahead. A real quick question. I don't think the, the fellow is here, the gentleman with the wine operation, but he was talking about weird little uh, power dips and rises, and it's something we wouldn't notice, but obviously people with need that technical you know, protection. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. So we re read his report and we did look at everything that's happening, not just in the island, but outside the island as well. So the, the big outages we can explain, like the outages that we had during the storm that happened during the storm. Now the, the SAGs, the voltages that that's being experienced by the island, will reach out to the Port of Oakland. Uh, the Port of Oakland, we have the Davis substation that feeds the island. What we found out is that the David substation correspond the events that they saw at the at David substation that resulted in the sags, on the voltage sags at the winery corresponded to events happening at David sub, David substation at the Port of Oakland. Uh, we are communicating with them, trying to figure out what it is that's going on. Maybe there's something we can do, uh, some mitigation that we can do here as the power comes in. We're not there yet, but at least we found the source of the issue of the SACs that we cannot explain by what's happening in the island, but realizing that it is outside the island, but we are part of a big electrical system. So what there's, when they see some problems there, it, it's propagating down to the island, if that helps. That, the good answer, and hopefully there'll be a solution. Yeah, we, we checked all the monitors that we installed. We reported that we installed monitors in the island, the reclosures. We downloaded everything and see if there's anything that happening in the island that we can correlate. We couldn't, but fortunately, the, the report that we got the Port of Oakland is actually the time uh, down to the second matches the events that the winery reported. So we are going to look at that, see if there's a potential solution. It may take a while. I'm not promising it will happen overnight. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, any other questions or comments? Okay. Hearing none, can we go to the next item, please? Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you, thank you very much. Item number 13, a discussion of future agenda items by directors. Okay, directors, and yes, Jeanette, yeah, um, go ahead. Hitting, um, we, I mentioned the same thing. I think um, we wanted a, uh, a report or some agenda item on the LBEs and kind of the data and the transparency on that and love to have that on the next agenda or a way to get that information ahead of time. Um, I'm not so satisfied with the PUC just in the last few minutes. I mean, I think we had, we were gonna have the PUC actually give us some information on what was going on with the, with the system on the island. So I'd love to see that. Um, the PUC, if we could actually schedule enough time um, to do that. Yeah. Um, the third one is, again, um, if we could have just a regular agenda item on the parks right. so we could get updates on that. Right. And um, again, the transition housing, I think we have that on the agenda every time now. I think that's really important. And um, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think that covers a great deal of the issues. Yes, Mark? And just the, again, numbers, numbers, numbers. We need to know who we've talked to, what, if they've 
received an answer that's acceptable or what, what the issues are? Because, you know, we, we do hear this every last number of meetings. And we have to have, the only way to get a solution is to have the numbers and have them correct. Okay. And, yes. and, and for me, I raised out earlier for Mercy Housing, John Stewart, or any of the housing providers. Really, really wanted to know the status of the residents uh, with regards to rent, and so I would like to, uh, you know, have that. All the other questions I have, I will go through the chair and um, director, you know, Beck, but Mercy Housing and John Stewart, I really, really need to tell us what the conditions of the uh, residents with regards to rent, eviction, if there's any so that at least we can get to the bottom of all these other questions. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Lashandra? Um, I would like to follow up. I brought it up the last time about the daycare on the island. I wanna see where we are as far as in numbers and in staff. I would also like to, again, reiterate, um, lending my help to the outreach as far as with ARWS and with TIDA, how we can coordinate better. Um, I would also like to suggest that um, the Mayor's Office of Community Housing and Development definitely be here at the next meeting so they can answer or help translate some of this information and how it better suits, you know, who it pertains to. And I would also like to suggest that we bring up the discussion for another on-island meeting as soon as possible because it is definitely needed for us to hash out these problems, not problems, but I'll say concerns we have here at home, so. Good. Well, I think that, yes, there will be another on-island meeting. Um, we were hoping to have that in, in probably the fall, um, and so we will schedule that shortly. Um, but those are noted, those um, items. It's, it's a long agenda today. It, it is a long agenda for every meeting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to be able to regulate our time and, and how much we speak as well. And great job. But, no, no, but, but, yes. but thank you all, those of you who have stayed this long with thank us. Thank you. Thank you for thank you. Uh, being thank here. And um, we look forward to the next Thank you. Time. Thank you. So then I think we can adjourn. Adjourn. All right. All right, and happy birthday, Kate. Oh, happy you. birthday, Kate. Thanks for spending it with us. I know. Oh, wow.